is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, y'all. What's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson along with Michael Remus. And uh, lots to get to today. Trots Watch continues. Some interesting reporting from a number of members of the Winnipeg media. We'll get to that coming up in just a minute. Um, CFL Week 2 got going last night with a uh, wild finish between the Argos and Alouettes. And it's Blue Bomber game day. Ed Tate will join us from the nation's capital before the 6.30 start tonight in the rematch of last week's uh, Bomber win at home. Now off to Ottawa uh, for the rematch. Eddie Tate, as we mentioned, and lots of hockey talk. Rennie, Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet and Kenny and Rennie fame is going to join us from Denver at the Stanley Cup final, as will Dave Pagnotta of the fourth period. It's Friday. You know what that means, too. We'll finish it up with a uh, big marble race at the end of the program. Uh, hey, before we get going and bring Michael Remus in, I want to thank all the sponsors that continue to make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, including our friends at Vita Health, F Apparel, Aikens Lake, Wallace & Wallace, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs Canadian Club, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. We'll hit the lines a little later on and let you know how things are shaping up for tonight's rematch between the Red Blacks and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Let's get this Friday show going and get Remus in here. What's going on, dude? Yeah. Feeling good. Ready for the weekend. It's supposed to be a hot one. Make sure you stay hydrated out there. But I am fired up uh, for the Bomber game tonight. Rematch against Ottawa, right? Isn't that what we're all here for? Well, uh, I, I mean, I'm definitely here for that. Uh, yes. I will also be here for a little Barry Trotz talk, which obviously we're going to dive right into. But I'm also here for the weather this weekend. As you mentioned, glorious day today. Literally perfect. Sunny in 26 or 24. Going to get to 26 tomorrow. But that Sunday afternoon is going to be the heater. 35 and sunny and, dude, it has been, well, well since last year since we've had anything remotely close to a 35 and sunny day. But uh, the wait, I think, will be worth it for uh, what's going to be a real nice weekend. I guess the big question is that in addition to gorgeous temperatures and a beautiful environment, will we have some big news on the coaching front for the Winnipeg Jets? Because it does seem like this weekend will be incredibly key as to whether the Winnipeg Jets will be able to convince Barry Trotz to take their head coaching job. And um, from all the reports we're hearing, this um, you know the meetings will continue to take place. They've circled back. Most of the other jobs have sort of been taken or accounted for, and uh, it's down to see whether the Winnipeg Jets can can get Barry Trotz and whether Barry Trotz wants to return to coaching. But um, certainly, from a Jets fan and someone that has from the start been somewhat invested in uh, hopefully getting the number one choice on the coaching uh, vacancy list for Winnipeg. Um, some pretty exciting news right now that certainly got a lot of people buzzing last night. Yeah, at first, you know, he got fired, and then a week later we heard there was a meeting, and then it got kind of quiet. And then we had started to hear reports that they were looking at other candidates, Scott Arneal, Jim Montgomery, Pascal Vincent. And then, you know, some of the jobs dried up. Uh, John Torella hired in Philadelphia. That just got announced. The other one was Bruce Cassidy hired in Vegas. So, you know, two potential destinations you know, checked off, including a reporting that, uh, who is that, Anthony Sanpilippo saying that Trotz turned down $7 million to coach the Flyers, which, as you just you just showed, it makes your eyes want to pop out your head. But we did have a bit of a bomb last night or yesterday afternoon from Mike McIntyre writing 
the Jets and Barry Trotz are inching closer to a union that would appear to be a match made in hockey heaven. Additional talks ongoing. The next few days could be critical. The Jets have made, this is just Mike's reporting, me paraphrasing. The Jets have made Trotz priority number one. They did interview him May 17. Trotz did speak with Vegas and Philadelphia, who have moved on. Uh, down the road, we all know Trotz wants to get into management out of coaching. Uh, I thought this was interesting from Mike. Money will not be a sticking point. Um, and they're slated to meet over the weekend. And we see everyone coming in here, everyone in the chat saying, hey, you know, he just bought a house in Nashville, right? <laughs> and El- Elliot said that, I think. That's my YouTube commenter. Didn't we do didn't we do our Nashville real estate update yesterday on the program? Yeah, we did the Nashville real estate update and apparently nothing to there's nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Uh, that's what we're saying. And what else do we have? We have Paul Friesen is getting in on the reporting too. He says very very trots impressed with Jets management and ownership. Marat reporting there are reasons for the Jets to be optimistic, basically confirming Mike's report, and then also saying, hey, if it doesn't work out, Jim Montgomery uh, would be a contender. And then we did have another thing today, just wrapping this all up into a nice little bow. Elliot Friedman was on the Jeff Merrick show uh, with for his daily appearance, which has become must-listen for me. I tuned in live. I got to get my got to get my trots fixed there. Well, hey, you know what? Elliot's been, he's the best in the biz right now, has been all over this. But uh, I don't know we're going to get to this Florida clip. I mean, there was concern. And I think a lot of people, justifiably, when you have a team that was so good this season that fell just short with an interim head coach after what happened with Quenville at the beginning of the season due to the um, blowback of, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks scandal, um, that maybe the Florida Panthers would be knocking on the door of Barry Trotz. And as Elliot had said, he they, there had been informal phone conversations with some coaches around the league. And you would certainly think that Barry Trotz might be on that list. But um, uh, apparently, Reem, uh, according to Elliot this morning, it doesn't sound like that's the case. Yeah, here's the clip. If anyone was concerned about Florida hopping in here, uh, this is what Elliot had to say this, I guess, noon Eastern. Before we wrap up, yeah. there was uh, some people told me they were hearing some rumblings this morning about uh, Trotz to Florida. I don't believe that's true. No Barry Trotz to Florida, so that one still the, the, the Florida so. the, the Florida ticket still remains open, and we still have yeah, more questions and answers not, about I, that. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what they're going to end up doing there, um, mm-hmm. I, uh, but and I do think, like I said, I do think they're talking to coaching candidates. Uh, I do, um, but I don't. It's like someone said this morning. You hear a rumor about Trotz in Florida. I don't think. I don't think that's the case. All right. Well, you can all sleep easier knowing that the, the Florida Panthers won't be a snag and Barry Trotz, according to Elliot Friedman. And at this point, Remo, I think it's pretty clear. Um, you know, certainly from people that I'm talking to right now, that it sort of does seem like it's. Uh, Jets are bust for Barry Trotz. I mean, I think that, you know, if he's coaching this season behind a bench of a National Hockey League team, barring any strange last-minute changes or developments, you know, I think it's it's Winnipeg. Um, and listen, Barry Trotz has al- obviously already had plenty of opportunities, and we mentioned the offer that he turned down with the Philadelphia Flyers, which, if I'm not mistaken, would have made him the highest-paid coach in the National Hockey League. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if anyone's making more than 7 mil right now on the bench of an NHL team. Um 
and the fact that the Jets are still in it and this is still, I mean, like he's, there, there hasn't been a no yet. Now, what else needs to happen or what else needs to, you know, to be done on the Winnipeg side of things? I'm really not sure. And to be honest, I'm sure they would have done everything they can to put their best put forward early and stay in the mix, which they obviously have. Vegas has a coach now. We think that Peter DeBoer is going to Dallas. Torrance is in Philly. I haven't heard much on Detroit, but it doesn't seem like that's a situation that Barry Trotz would probably want to be going into for what we expect to be his final head coaching gig in the National Hockey League. So that leaves the Winnipeg Jets, and it leaves a weekend where people are going to be kicking it outside, enjoying the sun, but probably paying very close attention to their feeds uh, to see alerts on from all the insiders. Um, I really do hope whatever happens, well, obviously I hope Trotz gets hired, that we get the Weeks bomb. It, it needs to be broken by the People's Insider, Kevin Weeks. And that will go down potentially as one of the great, great Twitter moments of Jets history, if in fact, uh, if in fact it does. Oh, who, like, who do I, who do I want to break a potential hiring? Uh, do I want to see a, well, he did do a video yesterday about the Tortorella contract and he didn't say, What's going on, you NHL fans? So. I was heartbroken. But the thing is that he was on TV. He was on TV. Someone was recording his report, and then he put it out. But I, I tweeted him back. I said, hey, it just hits different when we don't get the what's going on, you NHL fans. So uh, it would be great. What's going on, you Winnipeg Jets fans? People would completely lose it. If we said that, yeah, I'm I'm here for I want to keep a local. We're a local show. I mean, if uh, I think someone said to me that, um, you know, this is how I want it to be broken. I want Ken to write a column about the Stanley Cup final, game two, and then have him, like, hide it in a paragraph in the middle. Oh, by the way, like the, the Jets Chevy are going to hire. Yeah, exactly. If anyone, if anyone doesn't Incidentally, remember. the general manager just signed a three-year three yeah. extension. Some, someone wrote in our YouTube comments, why do all these stories be broken by, um, you know, Toronto? And I'm like, that's not, that's not true. Uh, Jason Bell broke one, and Ken broke the shovel day off, three-year extension. He just hit it. In a column on Sportsnet.ca, instead of uh, doing a video like like Kevin Weeks does, we're so. working on Ken. We're working on Ken yeah. to get a little bit more internet savvy because uh, I I would love it. You know, he could just sit there. He could take a big swig of water and then say, mm -hmm. "What's going on, Jets fans? Ken Weeb here. I've got some breaking news." Hey, I'll take it from anyone right now. Um, the bottom line is, and listen, the insider game is is a weird one um it's not really and we certainly found this out and you know we heard it as much from the guys that are involved in that line of work in and around the blackhawks situation that they're not necessarily i don't know if you want to call it big j i mean they're almost information traders if that makes any sense and you know uh, favors are done to uh, favors are done on one side to the other, information going back and forth. And then when things are getting ready to go, you know where the relationships are because usually there's one particular guy that has a better line into a particular team. Certainly it seems like it's been Darren Drager in the past with the uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. So I don't know. We'll have some fun. Well, whatever the news is, and if it ends up being positive, that report will be remembered for a long, long time in Winnipeg. But overall, it's just the beginning of what is going to be a fascinating, fascinating next few weeks and months for Jets fans and certainly for us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Remo, because of everything that happens after that coach is hired. Um, all I can say is this. If this does drag on another week, I mean, hey, we're here for it. We've got a lot of extra people coming in to see what's going on with our show and uh, Trot's Watch, as we've called it. So 
we'll keep doing it. But I know from the business aspect and the, the, the of the hockey side of things, um, you definitely want to get that done and have that individual on board going into the draft. Because, I mean, one thing that we do know, um, I, I, you know, and we kind of I asked the guys about this the last couple days, and. I really do think there's going to be some very significant changes to this roster. I'm not entirely sure what that means, whether it is Mark Shifley, um, you know, whether it's some players that we haven't really talked about before um, in that, you know, you, you, you walk down the aisle with a new guy with a plan, not just for this year, but going into the next few years, you realize the guys that fit the guys that maybe don't. Um, and it might surprise some of us, depending on, you know, the angle that, you know, Barry or Barry or the new head coach feels about the club. And certainly this has been something that Shevel Dayoff and Chipman, and I think everyone within the organization has been going over and probably agonizing over, to be honest, including at parts of last season. Um, that being said, none of, none of it's happening probably until we get some clarity in particular as to whether Barry Trotz is coming home. We got to back a crate of beers up to wherever he's staying in the city. Yeah, I was starting to get uh, working on a mock-up can design this weekend. Maybe the, once I saw Mike's report, I was like, man, we got to start coming up with some prototypes here. Because uh, you just tweeted out. It's funny. Mike put out that tweet yesterday, and you just tweeted out like 50 beer emojis in there. And I thought that was great. I think people people love that. I wagged into my. I played hockey last night. Like, people were applauding me on, my, on our hockey team. It's like, how did you guys... Do that going back to the re I think and I think maybe that was what put it over the line here. We weren't really hearing about any conversations taking place. You put in the last stitch effort, a wrestling <laughs> promo saying we're gonna give you beer for life plus um beer named after you, and then all of a sudden they're meeting again. So I do think you had had some impact on that for sure. The one thing I'll say is since that was dropped on Monday and got picked up. Stephen Wino, of course, doing the article on it that got picked up everywhere. Barry Trotz, I have not clicked on Twitter in the last four days where Barry Trotz hasn't been the trending topic on my timeline in Winnipeg. So <laughs> he certainly did add some gas on the fire a bit. I think it was kind of, it was smoldering. And then the minute we started having fun with the beer offer, I think a lot more people started paying attention and it went on a little bit of wildfire. And we can only hope that maybe it helps a little bit. But one thing I'll say, if I'm Barry Trotz and I'm sitting back and I see that, and I see the reaction from Winnipeg Jet fans in this community, I don't know. I mean, some people might say, oh, geez, it's a little much, but he's from here. I think he knows how important this team is to this community and to the fan base. And um, uh, hopefully it's something that, you know, maybe makes him even uh, more excited to be a part of what would be a turnaround that would mean so much uh, in and around here. Lots of work to be done for sure. Um, but first things first, the work that's got to be done is uh, figuring out a deal and uh, getting his name on a contract. And, you know, I don't want this to sound like it is imminent because I think if you read Mike's reporting as well as Marat and Paul Friesen, um, none of them are saying that this is a done deal, but it could be. And it does sound like in the very near future, potentially over the course of this weekend, they'll be breaking it down. And uh, maybe we will have some good news. And the end of Trot's Watch, uh, which will I'll be sad about at some point, Remo, because as we mentioned, it has been, uh, it's been good for business, as they say. And welcome to everyone that maybe found us over the course of the last little while. Hopefully you're joining us on a daily basis. And while you're here, welcome everyone. Hit that red subscribe button. We're here every uh, Monday to Friday. 1 o'clock p.m. live 
on YouTube, and then we'll crank it out your podcast feed in time for your drive home if you're unable to join us live. Um, it will be a sad day when Trot's Watch is over, but if it ends the right way, um, as I said, it'll just be on to even more exciting things over the course of these next few weeks, especially with Draft Dream, and we are not that far away. Yeah, and I know Trot's Watch is going to come to an ending as soon as that's what we're being told that a decision could be made next week. However, after that, Trot's Watch over. Just change the sign. We're going to be on Dubois Watch as he is <laughs> as he's an RFA in that contract negotiations. We're going to be getting so many updates on that as well. The NHL draft, a lot of stuff. Actually, I did tweet out. So I was listening to the Friedman appearance on the Merrick show. And I tweeted it out. Uh, where is it? I tweeted out the quote that we played earlier. And some guy responds, uh, Colin says, it's about television ratings. Drama draws in viewing. I will say this. The day he got fired, we did a show and had like double the number of people. We didn't even have to do anything. Yeah, no, and it wasn't people like, were oh, Barry Trotz is fired. We just started and you just knew that people would give him here, especially yeah. Jet fans. I would have done the same thing if I was on the other side. Hey, by the way, Big shout out to our guy, Kenny's Water Bottle. Thanks so much. Hassan Remus, you guys keep doing great work. Here's a little something just for looking good, boys. Happy Friday in the Super Chat. KWB, you're the best, man. Yeah. Thank you very much. So, uh, Remo, I mean, we're going to get into this with Rennie. I'll, I'm very much looking forward to hearing from Sean and Dave, who are there at the Stanley Cup Final where I'm sure the Winnipeg Jets are not at the top of the list of what everyone's talking about, but with a couple extra off days and this news percolating around, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it is one of the top topics around it, certainly for a guy like Sean, who will be talking with people in the other markets, um, and we'll see what people are saying in and around the cup final on that, and certainly Pagnotta's got a good ear to the ground um, as it pertains to uh, you know all the moves with what's happening in the NHL. By the way, we should maybe mention you kind of said it is official right now. We wanted to kind of wait to get into it, but uh, Torts is back on the bench in the National Hockey League, coaching the Philadelphia Flyers. John gets a four-year deal, and uh, you sent me that earlier today. I was just thinking back to our first interview with Matt Calvert, who was talking about playing for Tortorella back in Columbus. Um, some guys love him. Some guys hate him. Brandon Dubinsky tweeted out the news and did a prayers up for, uh, I think it was Cam Atkinson. Yeah. Oh, Atkinson is now fired up and he did, he did put a tweet. Let's go or whatever. Now the torts is back, even though she got traded. Should we play this Matt Cal? So we have a couple Matt yeah, Calvert clips. It. We'll play the one and then we'll play. I'm going to dig up the Atkinson one. Cause Matt Calvert did have an Atkinson story about torts, uh, going on. Cause you know, he comes back and all these clips are resurfacing. I forgot about him trying to fight the entire Calgary Flames, you know, various post-game media. Um, but I think that, I think there's a lot of that, but you know, but deep down he's, a, you know, he's a bit of a sensitive guy, has and a nice guy. And it seems like a lot of players do love playing for him. And Matt was very um, complimentary of uh, playing with John. Corrella. So let me just bring up this clip here. Yeah, this was from this last year when we had Matt Calvert on and he talked about this is right after he'd retired and we were yeah. just sort of talking about some fun stories, the guys that he played and he, uh, he dropped this story about playing for John Tortorella as a guy that, uh, you know, Matt in his case, always working hard, but maybe not thought of as a top six guy on the Columbus Blue Jackets. 
You know what? Me and Torts had an interesting relationship. I think he appreciated my work ethic, so he didn't bother me too much. But I got one funny story. I won't open up too much. But uh, in playoffs, I, I, I always consider myself a playoff guy. I just, uh, you know, mentally, you got an 82-game season. You know, you're, you're a role player. You know, there's, there's probably going to be ups and downs. It's going to be ups and downs for everyone. But with the seven-game series, I could really wrap my, my mind around, be my best every night. And he comes in after game two. I think we were playing, I don't know if we were playing Washington or Pittsburgh. I think it was Washington the last year I was there. And he comes in and he looks around the room. He, he goes, Matt Calvert's our best forward. And <laughs> I start laughing. He's like, he's like, hey. Maddie, F and Calvert's our best forward. He's like, there's no way you should be our best forward. And I'm just like, I'm like, thanks, Torres. I'm like, yeah, I'm really trying to, you know, really trying to help the team out. Thanks for putting it that way. Not saying, hey, our third line's doing a great job. Hey, how about our first and second line wake up? It's just, Matt Calvert's our best forward. Holy smokes, guys. Holy smokes. Walk around the rope. And I'm just like, that's that's the stuff with torts. It's like sometimes I don't, you know, I don't think he has a filter. And uh, you know, stuff like that might rub you the wrong way, but he says a lot of funny stuff. <laughs> There's a little bit of Matt Calvert. Uh and I'm sure anyone that's played for Tortorella has some stories, both uh, ones that they love telling, other ones they maybe don't remember. I was saying this to I was talking to Gary last night, Reem, and I don't know, it, it, you know, Tortorella has been around for so long and he's coached in a number of spots. It just, it almost feels like he's already been the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, he's just a guy that you would associate with Philly. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what happens. I don't expect the Flyers to be a much, you know, a cup contender at any point, you know, in the next season or so. I mean, they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, but I'll just say this, the NHL is a lot more colorful and a lot more fun if, uh, if he's on the bench and uh, I can't wait to get Ruwicki back on the program to see what he has to say. It does seem like John Torella is a perfect fit here in Philadelphia. It seems like he's already almost coached them. Just his attitude, the way the Philly uh, fans are. So uh, I agree. A great fan. We'll see how he interacts with Gritty. Um, back to uh, the NHL. We did have some other moves yesterday and I was surprised to see this. Shea Weber's contract being moved to Vegas from Montreal, Weber on LTIR, and getting back Evgeny Dadonov, who Vegas tried to dump to Anaheim at the trade deadline. Uh, but he, of course, uh, it was a big dile dilemma about who he had on his no trade list. He did have Anaheim on his no trade list, so he blocked it. But Anaheim, their social media team was on it yesterday, right after the trade, tweeting at Vegas, You sure that you've traded him to Montreal? I don't know if you saw that one. <laughs> Uh, if you saw that one, Hustler, so. Uh, I, I sure I sure did. I sure did. Uh, that that was outstanding work on the, the on behalf of the Ducks. And that's an interesting trade. I mean, essentially, it's obviously cap space related. Um, and I do know that I think Weber's salary this year is $3 million. And then he'll end up being $1 million for the final three seasons, uh, but a $7.8 million cap hit. So you can just imagine what's going to happen here. Vegas will go through this season with Shea Weber on the books and, you know, they'll utilize that for LTIR. And then I would be stunned if that contract isn't traded to either Ottawa or Arizona or one of these teams that needs to get to the floor. And they'll love that deal because they only have to pay $1 million of it and it counts as $7.8 to get up to the salary cap floor. 
Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. I think Vegas is trying to free up some salary. We know that they were up against it last year, and Dadunov, you know, he signed with Ottawa, traded to Vegas. Now he's on to Montreal. I know Elliot was asked on the Jeff Merrick show if Dadunov, what, did have to waive his no-trade clause to go to Montreal, and he was given a no comment if Montreal was on the list because everyone's like, what, you have Anaheim on your no-trade list and not, not Montreal? So I don't know what to make of that. It's possible that... He kind of felt like, you know, Vegas doesn't really want me here and was willing to just to just go. But uh, I'm curious what Vegas is going to look like next year. You look at their team. Uh, Riley Smith is a UFA, I, be- I believe. Um, so we'll have to wait and wait and see what they look like with new coach Bruce Cassidy. You know, they may have been, been in the playoffs. They, they didn't have so many injuries. I'm sure Gary Hollis would tell us that, but. Uh, it was definitely a disappointing Ga- year for them. You mean Gare yeah, Bear? Ga- Gare, Gare Bear, yeah. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Stormy uh, Bonatoni who came on yesterday and gave us the gift that was Gare Bear. We might have to call him up to have him on the show. Um, well, I just let him know that. Hey, listen, we had Stormy on the show yesterday. She was wonderful and uh, said that she misses Gare Bear. Uh, you know, and he will forever be referred to as Gare Bear on Winnipeg Sports Talk from here on in. By the way, a little bit of a change up. We're going to have Ed Tate join us in about 25 minutes. Okay. Um, Eddie kind enough to uh, make that move. And I think we're going to bring in Rennie earlier because he has the lightning skate coming up in Denver ahead of tomorrow's game two of the Stanley Cup final. So uh, Reem, if you want to let Ren know we're uh, ready for him. And then we'll have a little bit more from Denver later on this afternoon when Dave Pagnotta of the fourth period uh, joins us. Uh, one of the things we'll be getting to with Ed, of course, is tonight's Winnipeg Blue Bomber game, the rematch between the Red Blacks and the Blue and Gold, uh, but also last night's game. Uh, anyone see Andrew Harris last night? Remember we said that he looked like he had a chip the size of a boulder on his shoulder? Well, that's exactly what happened. Dude, that 40 yards uh, rushing the first two uh possessions for the Argos ended up with 87 on the ground. I think another 20. Uh, that being said, the Argos incredibly fortunate that one of the worst choke jobs on a game winning kick uh, was fumbled. So we'll hit all of that coming up, but just uh, we've switched things around. We're going to get Sean Reynolds in right away. Uh, hey, do want to thank our friends at Vita health for their great support of Winnipeg sports talk. Of course, Vita health has great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And delicious lunch options, Vitamarket, salad, soup, sandwiches, and more. And great barbecue options with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. But make a note, folks, a week tomorrow, June 25th, 11 to 1 at the Linden Ridge location at 1751 Keniston. Big barbecue. Bring the whole family, face painting, games, product samples, and a free lunch. Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And check them out online at myvita.ca. Uh, our friends at Wallace & Wallace, a lot going on this summer. They're Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, Give them a buzz, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Visit them at wallacefences.com 
or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Hey, finalizing our plans to get out to Aikens Lake a little later on this summer. Been following their socials. Monster trophy fish coming out of the lake every single day. If you're thinking about an incredible opportunity to get off the grid, a little fly-in spot, you'll be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. Find out more online about Aikens Lake and potential opportunities this year and next. AikensLake.com or check out what the gang has going on on the socials, especially Twitter and Pit Turen at Aikens Lake. And uh, hey, next week, we got the big Rady dinner. Got to get the suits on, guys. If you need one, every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. F Apparel's got you covered. 190 Smith Street downtown. Custom suits for men starting at $400 and great options for wedding parties as well with 15% off. F Apparel, it's ephapparel.com. Check them out at 190 Smith Street. Speaking of looking great in a suit, uh, our next guest looking like a million U.S. tax-free in the middle of a the media room at the cup final. Let's welcome in Sean Reynolds of Kenny and Rennie fame and Sportsnet. What's going on? How are you? Doing great. How are you doing, Huss? Uh, oh, I'm doing well. Trots Watch continues here in Winnipeg. And, of course, you were there at the cup final. We'll get to all of this, but uh, how's it been? What's the vibe like? Of course, we had the Uber ride with you and Ken on Wednesday on the program, which is a heck of a lot of fun. And, uh, my God, what a hockey game to start off this series. Kind of sad that we don't have a game tonight. we got to wait an extra day to get after it with game two. Yeah, me too. Uh, you're salivating and chomping at the bit with with this series because, uh, you know, we've said it. I think I heard Kenny saying it the other day, but, I mean, this is the Colorado Avalanche are the best team in the NHL over the regular season over the last three years. They've been a good team for a long time who probably, without a couple of mistakes, could have been in this position in years past. And then you've got the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are clearly the best team in the league over the last three years in the playoffs. Uh, it, it doesn't happen as often as it you would think it does, Huss, that in a championship game in any sport, and you know, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, that the two very best teams end up in the championship game. Game. That's what we've got here. Uh, and game one for me didn't disappoint. I just love the ability of both these teams to kind of flex their muscles when it came to the offensive side of things. Then when it came to the need to clamp things down, both teams showed they were capable of doing that. And just the atmosphere in the building here, this is another one of those buildings that really has a special atmosphere. Um, but boy, oh boy, the skill, the speed, you know, that Kucherov play, just absolutely phenomenal. This, to me, if you're, I, I get it, I get that some hockey fans are fans of their team and they don't really, you know, get sucked in with the other stuff. But if you are a fan of hockey, what is happening right now in the Stanley Cup final is an absolute treat. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. And I can't think, I mean, this might be as compelling a final matchup as we've had maybe since, I don't know, Pittsburgh and Detroit going back to back in what, 08, 09? Um, but listen, we'll get back to the final in a minute. You know what's bringing people out right now, and it's talking about this Winnipeg Jets coaching situation. How big of a story is that amongst you and your colleagues at the Cup Final this week, Sean? It's big. It's big. And you know why it's big is because, I mean, this is my opinion, but I think most other people in the hockey world you know, either share this opinion or or share a lot of it. But, I mean, I think Barry Trotz is the best coach in the game. You know, he heads up to, you know, John Cooper, who does phenomenal work. No disrespect to him. Uh, but I take a look at what Barry Trotz was able to do with that Islanders roster, and I always joke, it's like, you know, he took a Ford a Ford Taurus and drove it uh, compared to John Cooper driving a Ferrari and almost beat him across the finish line, right? Barry Trotz is a big deal because he's – the best, one of the best, if not the very best, at his job. So if Winnipeg were able to land him, that would be 
a phenomenal story. But yeah, everyone's talking about it down here. Um, and you know, I, I, there's a lot of things pointing towards it. Uh, one, I got to hey, I got to give you props for everything that you guys did with Little Brown Jug. That's a big story down here. I mean, people are talking about trots, but people are talking about that. Went to a baseball game with Wino yesterday. He absolutely loved that story. Jumped on right away. He said to me, "This is the perfect internet story," and it was because it spread like wildfire. Uh, I'll say this: I think that we're getting close to a conclusion. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing is over in the next 10 days or less. And from everything I'm feeling, I think Winnipeggers have have reason to be excited. If you've got champagne, keep it on ice, people, because I think that there's, you know, there's high, high potential uh, for Barry Trotz to come to Winnipeg. Well, for sure. And what's interesting is through this, I mean, I think we all, I certainly thought that, you know, Barry Trotz was sort of the kingmaker of the entire coaching carousel, if you want to say that. And, you know, it was weird. We kind of went through a couple weeks where everything was quite quiet. We knew Barry was talking to a number of teams, and it sort of felt like, okay, we're going to find out where Barry Trotz is going, and then the other dominoes will fall. But that hasn't been the case, Sean. Bruce Cassidy's in Vegas now. Torts has been hired in Philly. We're hearing Elliot Friedman even more um, definitively say he believes that Peter Bohr will be the next coach of the Dallas Stars. Uh, I don't believe Detroit is really in the mix for Barry Trotz. And we've heard that the Boston Bruins are interviewing five candidates, none of which are Trotz. So it sort of does seem like if Barry Trotz will be a head coach in the National Hockey League next year, it's going to be here in the peg. Can the Winnipeg Jets get it done? And I mean, God knows it would be fascinating to find out what they're actually still talking about or what they're circling back on. But it's clear that the Jets are still in it. Um, and this has gone on for a long time. I have to think that if there was, if this wasn't going to happen definitively, we would have known that by now. So there's still a great potential. And I think the Jets fans have a reason to be optimistic that the guy that was number one on just about everyone's list could very well end up here in the relatively near future. Because, of course, Sean, it's important to get this done because there's so much other work for Kevin Sheveldayoff and the organization to do once they understand who their leader is, how this team will proceed going forward. Yeah, a couple things uh, that you're touching on there. One, I actually heard, and this, this was somewhat surprising for me, so take it for what you will, but, but that the Detroit Red Wings are one of the teams that aren't out on, on Barry Trotz. But to your point as well, I thought the exact same thing. I thought he was the giant, you know, domino to fall, and then everything would just scatter after that. But I think what we're seeing is a sign that, you know, while he hasn't, you know, fully come to a conclusion, obviously, in this, that they're, they're – a lot of these teams learned a long time ago uh, that Barry Trotz was going in a, a, a specific direction. So they needed to start moving. So I don't think it's anything other than, you know, Barry Trotz can take his time. He can do this slowly. He's the guy that doesn't need to worry about, you know, playing a game of musical chairs and there being no seats left. They're going to keep the music going in in a lot of cities until he decides to have a seat. So there's no reason for him to rush. Now, if you're Winnipeg and he ends up going there, it's it's probably led to a little bit of stress. I think it's been more fun than anything, to be honest with you. Again, with you know the great job that you've done, it's been fun to talk about. It's been fun to look forward to. And put it this way, if he does end up coming, and again, I think that is a very, very high possibility. If he does end up coming, we'll look back at this as, you know, that really nice, long, big build up to finally getting what you want. No, you're, you're exactly you right, Sean. And, 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 I'll, any better. And, and I'll say this. Um, 
You know, two things on that. Um, number one, and I think if you're a Jet fan right now, I mean, you know, what we're hearing from a number of our colleagues and Mike and Marat and Paul Friesen, you know, that the Jets are exhausting every every route to try to get this done. And they're still in there. And I think that's all any fan can, can hope for. I mean, you can't force anybody to do anything, but you certainly would expect and want your organization to go and do everything they can to get the guy that is the best for the job. Oh, yeah. And they've done that. The other thing that's interesting, Sean, and I know you've heard this on Kenny and Rennie. We've heard this over and over again over the years. In the past, the patience of True North and the Jets organization to some has been you know, a negative. I and mean, we're living in an impatient world. I would say that the patience that they've shown here has been a real asset in that they've given Barry Trotz the time to do. They felt confident about their offer. And here we are at this point with other jobs being filled. And by all accounts, they're going to be getting back together to see whether a deal can get done in the very near future. Well, he's worth the wait. Right. This is uh, a man uh, who is is worth the wait. And you, to your point, uh, True North being a patient organization, you're right. It plays into this. Uh, but I think if you're the Winnipeg Jets, I, I do think Barry Trotz, never mind if you're the Winnipeg Jets, if you are any team in the NHL, the chance to get Barry Trotz, if you get him, it, you can look back on that as a franchise altering moment. And, and I do believe it is. I, I believe it's been that wherever he's been. I mean, look, the Nashville Predators are the Nashville Predators because of Barry Trotz being there. The Washington Capitals are Stanley Cup champions because he went there. The uh, New York Islanders went from being, you know, just a, a garbage fire of a defensive team to one of the best defensive teams in the league. And, you know, within a hair of the Stanley Cup final two years, everywhere he's gone, he's turned things entirely around it's a watershed moment so you wait for that you someone who has those capabilities and has the potential to take you know a Jets organization that has done a lot of things right but I think we can all agree has gotten to a, a, a position right now where they're searching for answers this is the kind of this is the guy who you go looking for answers for so you wait for that guy uh, uh, Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet and Kenny and Randy joining us live from Denver at the cup final make sure to uh, check out Sportsnet television sportsnet.ca for uh, KNR doing their thing down in Colorado at the cup final. Um, Sean, the other story, and Frank Saravelli had an interesting report over last weekend that we talked about on Monday uh, about Mark Shifley. Um, what are you hearing on Shifley in and around? I mean, what are people saying about that situation? Are you hearing from people outside of our market? Well, outside our market, I think that there's an expectation because of what was said, because I think what a lot of us saw, and it didn't seem like Mark had his most engaged year, especially defensively. Um, so I think that there's a lot of, of, of people on the outside who look at that situation and think something's got to be done, because in a lot of markets, something would be done, right? Um, we're talking about an organization that had a Vander Kane uh, who, you know, from what we've heard in the past, there were the dressing room wasn't the most comfortable place when Evander Kane was there, and he was kept in Winnipeg for a really long time, despite him wanting to be gone, and very likely players in you know teammates of his wanting him to be gone. Kevin Chevaldeoff, to your point about patience, isn't the kind of guy to go and rush these things. I said this. I never. I never thought that Mark Shifley was going to be gone. What I'm hearing uh, from, from from my sources that I've talked to is they don't expect he's going to be gone. I think the issue behind that is it's really hard to trade a player like Mark Shifley and get Mark Shifley back, 
right? You're, if you move a Mark Shifley, you either move, move him for futures, which is not going to put, you know, Connor Hellebuck in a situation where he's very happy right now. The Jets don't want to be taking a step back and rebuilding at this moment. So that doesn't work. And then if you can't trade Mark Shifley for an equal superstar who's just not in a good situation, kind of like you did with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine, Two players the same age, very good skill sets, either of them, not happy with their situations. So you flip-flop them, right? I'm not looking around the league and seeing that player that is the equivalent of Mark Shifley who wants to get moved. So then the only other way that you can trade for that is by volume, by getting a whole bunch of pretty good players for a star player. I don't think the Jets think that helps them. I don't think it would help them either. So I just don't think it's a situation. It, it was never easy to trade Mark Shifley. It's easy to give a guy away. It's not easy to trade a guy and get what you need back in a situation like this. So I never thought that that was going to be happening from what I'm hearing. I don't expect it to happen, but I'll say this. It's an, you know, when you're down here and you know what these are like, I say every journalist from everywhere is here and we get to talk and it's so much fun, right? Like it's in the room, I'll get off here and I'll go and I'll chat and I'll hear this and I'll hear this and I'll hear this. People are interested in the Mark Shifley situation. I just think that there's more interest out there, more buzz out there than what's actually happening. I think we'll see him in training camp. Uh, Well, let me ask you this then, Sean. Um, How different do you think this roster looks next year? Uh, Like when they drop the puck. I mean, this was a real disappointing season. I don't know anyone that doesn't think that there are some changes that need to be made. And as great as Barry Trotz is, I'm not sure you just simply change the coach and do a complete 180. Um, Where are you on that? I mean, do you think there will be significant moves? Or especially if Trotz is the coach, do they somewhat stay the course with the personnel that they have and see whether they can come in with a new atmosphere and attitude and a new leader and try and have very different results than the ones we saw last season. I don't expect major changes at all. Um, now, I, I think if they could they could make some moves work, and listen, we, we saw uh, Kevin Shiveldeff. Now, however it turned out, him getting Brendan Dillon and him getting Nate Schmidt, if you remember back when he got those players, it was almost impossible to get defensemen without overpaying in a massive manner. And he went out and got two guys to plug the holes that he thought needed to be plugged. And he did it, you know, with with cost assurance, uh, with lockdown contracts. It was it was brilliant GMing. Now you can debate how well those two players worked out, but the GMing required to bring those players in was brilliant. So there, I could see them looking around and trying to make some moves, maybe moving some guys to open up space for some young guys to move uh, in on the back end. I think they need to do work on their fourth line. I don't think they're going to be doing much work with the core, but I'll say this. Everything that I'm saying to you right now, I say based on what I know of True North and Kevin Sheveldayoff and how they've conducted themselves in the past. If Barry Trotz comes in, everything could be out the window, right? You could have someone come in who, who's got a very different philosophy than we've seen so far. And if you're bringing in Barry Trotz, you're bringing him in to kind of find out what he thinks you need to do. So if he goes in, the, in, in a departure, things could change very much. So right now, I say I don't expect a lot of changes. Uh, towards the end of the season, I remember I was talking on the radio in Toronto, I was talking with Nick Kiprios, and he said, when they blow this thing up, what's going to happen? I said, I don't think they're blowing it up. And as of this moment, I don't think they are. But the wild card is if Barry Trotz comes in here and Barry Trotz wants changes, Kevin Sheveldayoff, I think, has been an astute GM who can make moves when they need to be made. I think he likes to be cautious. But if Barry Trotz comes in and says, I know you know how to do this dance, let's dance. Let's go get something. That could change everything.
Hey, in your opinion, how different is Wheeler's situation as opposed to where Mark Shifley's at right now? entirely different entirely different because i think you know mark shifley if you were able to move him is a guy that a team would be looking to invest in you know elevate the parts of his game that haven't been as elevated continue with his ability to score the way that he's scoring and then maybe kind of woo him to stick around and go forward i mean he's the kind of player that a lot of teams would like to build around if you can get the best version of mark shifley so mark shifley in my opinion is still on the way up i've said this before i think blake wheeler especially offensive production wise has been able to do more than i thought he would be able to do at this stage but he's got two years left on a contract i think he's 36 this upcoming year he's father father time wins all battles that's where you can expect he's going um so i think their contract despite the fact i think there are two players that you know have kind of come hand in hand and we've kind of thought of their situations as being the same and they have for a long time that road to me is diverging it's going in two different directions uh so um and and if, if basically you're asking about the potential to move to, to move Blake Wheeler, I, I mean, I think there's only, I'm taking a look around at where you could move that contract. And I don't think there's, I think there's very limited options. But that said, down here, talking with a lot of the people, that one same option, I'm sure you can guess what it is, keeps coming up over and over and over again. The issue with that is if there is only one option, you're not in a very good position as the Winnipeg Jets if you are trying to make that move and you only have one dance partner because, you know, competition makes deals better. And I don't believe there would be a lot of competition for those services. Yeah, no, exactly right. And I think, I mean, they're the biggest difference between the two players. Um, you know, they both have two years left on their deal. Blake's making more than Mark. Um, but the fact of the matter is anyone that would be trading for Mark Shifley is looking for a player that could come in for two years and have an extended run as being, you know, a top flight center for their club. Whereas Blake's situation a little bit different and to their divergence paths. I mean, I think that sort of started happening under Dave Lowry um, because at the end of the year, it was very interesting, Sean. We've spent all enough time talking about what Mark Shafley said and didn't say in the way that he looked. Um, Blake seemed like he was having fun playing with Paul Stastny and Nikolai Ehlers towards the end. And even said, you know, I kind of wish that we had some more games because this was great. And certainly his attitude and just the way I think he felt, at least at the end of the season, was in stark contrast to Mark. Although when you're talking about changing the chemistry, the culture, the leadership group of a team, it's obvious you start with the two guys that have been the culture carriers, if you will, for the better part of the last half dozen years here in Winnipeg. To your point, you know what I thought when, when towards the end of the season you saw that line and the fun that they were having and how they were doing. I just thought, what a waste of so many years that there was. And I, I don't, I don't say that that there wasn't great accomplishments by Wheeler and Shifley together, but there's so many different interesting players on this Jets roster that I think you know, fans. Other teams, you know, we journalists would have loved to have seen all these different players playing with each other. And I just thought, like, you take a look at, you know, two players like Stastny and Wheeler who are in their mid-30s. A lot of people would say that shouldn't work. It did work. Nick Ehlers adding him to that line, that works. It just makes me think that all the years, the different tweaking that could have been done to kind of see this works here. This works here. I would have loved to have seen that. 2019, things maybe things kind of fell off, the, went off the rails towards the end of the year. Well, let's try this here. Let's try that there. There was always that block, the Wheeler-Shifley block. It seemed like it couldn't be broken, whether it was you know, Wheeler and Shifley themselves who didn't want it broken. And I think that's 
that, you know, that's part of it. I remember Mark Shifley when Patrick Laine was moved on that line and he came off that line. Mark Shifley said to us in the media, I was a little shocked about it. These two guys are my favorite guys to play with. It felt like a bit of a shot towards Patrick Laine. But so whether it was those players who I believe wanted to be together or Paul Maurice just thinking, having this unshakable faith in those two and keeping them together. I just look at what happened at the end of the year and think there were so many different combinations and options that could have been tried over the years. And how much fun would it have been to see that? I'll say this about wheels. Um, you know, I've said this before on the program, I and mean, I really do think he can be part of the solution going forward. I do think it'll probably be in a little bit of a different role, and I'm really not too sure under a new head coach whether they go back to square one and decide who the captain, leadership, whether they even have that for next year. But the one thing I will guarantee is that if Barry Trotz gets hired, um, and we might not have the big shakeup amongst, you know, the star players and Mark Shifley, there will be as the, the bottom, the third and fourth line for the Winnipeg Jets will look significantly different. Mm -hmm. And many of us have talked about Blake Wheeler playing in a third line role. I mean, I think he's a guy that can be a very effective middle six guy, even at this point. I am quite intrigued on what a Wheeler role in a Barry Trot system would look like because, uh, you know, despite the fact that, yeah, he's a little older right now, a lot of the things that he does and has done consistently well for a long time, I think sort of play into the style that Barry Trotz wants if you have buy-in from the other guys up there on the ice with you at the same time. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that it's it's one of those things that, you know, the, the Jets are clearly an organization that wants consistency, right? They've wanted that for a long time. I think that they wanted, you know, to go 15 years with Paul Maurice behind the bench and and have success, right? And I think that they want, you know, they've clearly shown that with Kevin Shovel Day Off. They want to make it work with Kevin Shovel Day Off. And I'm not saying that it can't work like that because John Cooper is the perfect example of, you know, one voice for a really long time and they just keep getting better and better and better and better. But when you bring in a new voice and you bring in other really smart voices, you at least get the opportunity to see what players look like under different coaches, different philosophies, different motivations, right? And that, that, that we saw that when Paul Maurice came in. Like Paul Maurice took Blake Wheeler when he was on the cusp of, you know, heading into his 30s and took him to a level that he had never seen before in his career. Right. So I, I think, you know, players have to look at it as like every new coach is, is an opportunity to potentially reinvent yourself. And if you don't feel you need reinventing to at least sharpen your game that much more. So I agree with you entirely. I'm fascinated to see what role he would play. I think it would most definitely be lessened. They wouldn't be putting him the spotlight on him to be one of the highest scorers anymore, but big body, lots of compete still has skill when he needs it still is an absolutely elite passer when you give him time with the puck so if i'm a coach and i take a look at all those abilities i think i can build a game plan around that and uh the one thing about barry trotz is i think he's a like a team first guy which which he should be team first you got to do what's right for the team but i also think he likes to dig into each player and say what can i do to elevate this player and it would be fascinating to see how he handled Blake Blake Wheeler even at this age but with all those abilities it would be interesting to see Sean this has been awesome we're going to talk bombers with Ed right away uh, just very quickly on the way out tomorrow night's game uh Tampa even it up or do you think it heads to Florida with the avalanche up two zip 
I think the Avalanche go up to nothing. But I, I mean, everything. Every time I say that, I just keep looking at this uh, Tampa team. Every response they make to a loss is the right response. Like you look at the way they talk to us in the media after they lost that game. That's not a team that's worried they're going anywhere, uh, and, and and they're not. So, uh, but but I, I've said it since the beginning of the year. I thought Colorado was going to win this. I think Colorado is just on another level speed wise, um, and and I like their response as well. These are two teams are mentally strong physically strong they let their bought into their systems it's gonna be great hockey but yeah i think they're gonna go up to nothing appreciate it keep a lid on kenny we know he gets a little wild on the road sean uh, thanks yeah. uh, thanks for doing this man and uh, have a great time out there thanks for having me and thank ed for me for flip-flopping i really appreciate him making that work for me eddie's the best uh thanks so much take care there is sean reynolds uh make sure to Keep an eye on what the guys have going on at Sportsnet throughout the Stanley Cup final. Uh, all right, as we mentioned, we are going to talk some Bombers. Big rematch tonight between the Blue and Gold and the Ottawa Red Blacks. We'll do that with Ed Tate right now. We will talk more hockey and head back to Denver later on in the program. Dave Padnotta of the fourth period scheduled to join us. Just before we get ready to talk Bombers, a big thanks to the gang at Culligan Water for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Culligan Water, the water experts for over 65 years here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba is a family-owned business. They've got you covered with everything you need water-wise, softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, not to mention commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage, or the office, Culligan's got you covered. Pop down and visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue or online at drinkculligan.com. Excuse me, the weekend's here. It's going to be gorgeous outside. 35 and sunny on Sunday. Wowzers. Uh, might be a good time to get uh, ready to get back in the water. You know, boats, you do's. Do you have your batteries? Uh, whatever you need for battery-wise for the summer, for all those toys, Manitoba Batteries got you covered. And the good news is, folks, they're open until 8 o'clock now with extended spring and summer hours so you can make the most of those weekends and pick up what you need during the week. Uh, and, of course, the bottom line is with Manitoba Battery, another great local business. You'll be shopping local, and you'll save time and money as far as going to the big box stores for what you need, like a Costco or a Canadian Tire, and you have the experts to get you the right spot. Uh, pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue, or give them a call at 783-8787. They'll get whatever you need ready for you for a big, quick, and easy pickup. They also deliver citywide. Find out more online at Manitoba Battery. Dot com. And hey, it is a road game tonight, but man, it was great to see all those new Bomber jerseys at the game last Friday. And if you're looking to pick one up, as well as some exclusive Bomber back-to-back -back championship merchandise, Royal Sports has you covered. Of course, they've got all the NHL Stanley Cup final gear as well. NFL, NBA merch. I'm sure we'll have some Golden State Warriors championship gear showing up very soon. Not to mention an expanded soccer section, softball, baseball, Tons of bikes, a fitness center, and disc golf out the yin-yang. If you haven't tried it, check it out. All the equipment's there for you at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And uh, follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and details on all their big sales, including those famous tent sales on the weekend. All right, let's head out to Ottawa right now. Rematch between the Bombers and Red Blacks and Eddie Tate of BlueBombers.com joins us now. Edward, thanks so much, first of all, for that little switcheroo. Really appreciate you doing that. And uh, thanks so much for taking time on a game day. What's going on out in Ottawa? Just making sure. Hang on. Matt, I got to tell you, I, don't, I tried to put the headphones in because uh, we checked in here yesterday, and this is not a good sign. 
the hotel gives you these little earplugs because there's construction going on right now. Woke me up at 7 a.m. after uh, getting in a little bit later. So the construction's outside. You got up early, and now it's just uh, now you're just waiting for kickoff tonight. Yeah, we went for a walk this morning to uh, walk off some of the beverages we had last night, and uh, there's construction everywhere. But yeah, it, it's uh, one of those weird ones where we got to wait till 7:30 tonight for it's a long game day, um, a long wait to to uh, kick off. So, but it's nice here. Where they're saying it might rain here in a little bit. Uh, right into maybe kickoff, but um, we're hoping for a good night and a good crowd here in Ottawa. Absolutely. I mean, interesting rematch. I mean, we went through all of last season without seeing Ottawa and Paul Apolis, and now playing them twice in the first week of the season. Uh, ah, the quirks of the CFL schedule. Um, but, you know, we talked earlier. I mean, last week was a very interesting start to the season. Listen, good teams find a way to win, and that's exactly what the Blue Bombers did with Drew Brown being the hero coming off the bench when Zach Caleros got yanked by the concussion spotter. Um, but, I mean, Ottawa, from their perspective, I'm sure, was kicking themselves for a number of self-inflicted things that probably cost them a much better chance of actually winning the game. But from a Bomber perspective, Eddie, uh, what did Mike O'Shea have to say, and how was practice this week? Because uh, I think the Bombers know they're going to need to be much better consistently this season to reach their goals. Well, you're right about Ottawa. Kind of a lost opportunity for them last week, too, right? They had a real good chance to, to put the champs up against the ropes and, and didn't deliver the knockout punch. But as, in terms of the Bombers, um, it's been an interesting week. Right after the game, Coach O'Shea said there would be some hard conversations coming up, and they I'm sure they had them on uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, got back to practice on Tuesday. And uh, one of the messages, and this is never a good sign, but when your coach and some of your players are talking about needing to be more physical, you know what that means to Mike O'Shea. He wants to pound people more at the line of scrimmage, and that's where things have to start to get better for, for Winnipeg. They didn't run the ball particularly well last week. Um, but like you said, Huss, when it mattered, put together a drive led by Drew Brown um, to get in position for Mark Leggio to kick the winning field goal. But a lot of things they have to fix. Um, Jeremiah Mazzoli was far too comfortable in the pocket. They gave up over 380 yards passing, which that's a number that never, never even came close to last year, this defense, I mean. Uh, so there's things that they have to clean up. And I guess the silver lining is when you're cleaning those kind of things up after a win, it feels an awful lot better because – those con hard conversations, as Coach O'Shea said, uh, there would have been a lot more nasty to them, too, if it had been after an L. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And we'll get to the defensive secondary and what happened and how they need to be better uh, in, in a minute. Um, but I'm sure a lot of it does start on the line of scrimmage. And from a defensive standpoint, getting Jackson Jeffcoat uh, back in the lineup is a huge addition. How impactful do you think that will be in their ability to give Masoli less time to carve up the D and help the defensive secondary be in the right spot and not have so much time to have to chase receivers around. Yeah, it's massive. You know, I, I wrote this a, a month ago when we're starting training camp. You could make the argument and that Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson are the two best defensive ends on the field at the same time in Blue Bomber history. And uh, what ja Jackson sometimes gets lost in the, the enormous shadow that uh, that Willie Jefferson casts, um, but Jackson Jeffcoat's a hell of a football player. And when you got th that kind of pressure coming off both edges instead of maybe just one, um, it really changes things for a quarterback. And again, this is all about making 
Mazzoli squirm a little bit in the pocket because his numbers last week were phenomenal. And uh, the Bombers need to, you know, even get their arms up to change throwing lanes and, and get the pressure from the edge. We saw in the Grey Cup last year that Hamilton worked so much to take away Jeff Coat and Jefferson that all of a sudden the interior guys had a massive game. Jake Thomas and Stowe Richardson last year were incredible in the Grey Cup. So, again, it's, it's sometimes just having the guy on the field makes a big difference in how teams try to game plan against them. But you're right, the, what, what they bring up front will make – potentially make uh, what happens in the secondary look a lot different than it did last week. Well, and that's good because it wasn't, uh, I mean, listen, that it was, it was stunning actually to see what was happening because we were just used to the incredibly high bar that that group has put and particularly Winston Rose. I mean, he got torched a number of times and I know Mike O'Shea cautioned people when asked about that after the game. Listen, it's easy just to watch the play from the stands and you see a guy standing around or making a tackle after someone else's and you can blame that guy. But you know, there's a lot that goes into defense, and it's not always as it seems. That being said, Ed, it still was somewhat surprising to see number 30 um, having to make so many tackles as opposed to, and frankly, how much they went at him as well. Um, no doubt yeah. that the confidence is still there in Winston Rose, and um, I know Mike O'Shea is expecting much better performance from him, but as well as everyone else that's part of that equation on the f- defensive side of the ball. There's no question he had a tough night. He was the first to admit it afterwards, to his credit. Um, you know, you think about the secondary. There's no Brandon Alexander. So Malcolm Thompson's been good at at, uh, at safety, but uh, Brandon Alexander is an all-star. You've got a different other corner in Taekwon Glasses there now for DeAndre Alford, who, by the way, got a big shout-out in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution this week by their, their Falcons head coach and gave a lot of love in that story to Winnipeg. But he's gone, so you got... A new corner, Winston Rose just joined the team again from the NFL last October. There's a new dime back in Donald Rutledge Jr. So there's a lot of change in that secondary, and it did seem like Ottawa took advantage of it. One of the numbers that I threw out this weekend on our site that it was shocking to me was Mazzoli on first down passes was 12 of 17 for 246 yards. So that's an average of just over 20 yards of completion on first down alone, and that, that puts you on your heels defensively. And uh, there were uh, Ottawa averaged over nine yards on first down last week. That's got to change for Winnipeg. You want your your defense to be able to pin its ears back and come after a guy when it's second and long, and uh, there wasn't enough of that last week. And I think if they can get to that, then maybe some of the concerns about the changes in the secondary can get uh, give those guys a chance to, to tread water a little bit and get used to working with each other because there are three new people back there. Eddie, offensively, I mean, it was a really dry from really the end of the first quarter into the fourth quarter. And a big part of that was, as you mentioned, a really lack of, um, you know, a running game that was consistently able to move the chains. Um, listen, there's a lot of pressure on Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine filling the massive shoes of sure-to-be Hall of Famer Andrew Harris who looked pretty good last night for the Toronto Argonauts. But when we speak about maybe needing to be more physical, um, that's always being talked about on the offensive line. Um, we've been treated again to maybe an impossibly high standard by that group for a long, a long time. But I mean, what did you make of the Bombers' struggles in running the football? And, um, you know, how much of that was a group effort as opposed to maybe some young guys finding their way uh, in the backfield now without Harris there? Yeah, well, the, that came up an awful lot this week at practice and after practices, uh, Huss, and, and most of the 
answers were all the same. It was about the group effort angle that um, Pat Newfeld said it best. That was not a, a game that was up to the offensive line standards. They are used to pushing the pile, and they didn't do enough of that last week. Again, they're pretty good in pass protection, Zach Clara said time. But, you know, I just think a lot of it has to do with, um, in in some respects, last week's game was was the first snaps or the first, like, almost preseason snaps for a lot of these guys who were held out during the exhibition games. They didn't play. So when you put on your helmet and shoulder pads for the first time, sometimes it shows. And I thought that was a factor last week. And I expect the O-line to be a lot better uh, tonight and I expect that the the run game will be a lot better tonight and there's a lot of room to grow after what they did and didn't do last week but it's a group thing even Mike O'Shea said it uh, you know the gap isn't as big for a running back if he's uh, if he's not if he doesn't have somewhere to go if the, if the guard doesn't t- take the, that extra step to the one side the gap's not as big if the if the running back isn't patient to wait for the hole to develop those are all things that can impact the run game and it just seemed like a crew that uh, that missed playing together in, in a preseason game to me. I'll say this uh, offensively. Greg Ellingson sure looked pretty good oh. in, uh, in blue and gold. And, and man, the chemistry that he had with Zach Caleros, what, five or six years ago, seemed to be there right in game one. A pretty nice debut for a guy that obviously they're going to be leaning on quite a bit this season. Yeah, I thought uh, Greg Ellingson did what we all thought he would do, right? When you lose Kenny Lawler, there was a concern about, well, who's going to catch all those passes? Who's going to be the, the big producer? And Greg Ellingson did it right away. He had a touchdown in his first game. Made a key grab just before the, the game-winning uh, field goal, too, on on that late run by Drew Brown. I thought Dalton Schoen was really good, too, the newcomer in the, the receiving core. And, and uh, you know, Again, there's been a lot of change, but we're so used to looking at that depth chart and seeing the same names. One of the things that I think got a little bit overlooked last week was the people like Donald Rutledge Jr. at dime, um, Dalton Schoen at receiver, uh, you know, uh, Malcolm Thompson at safety. There, There were some new faces that played really well, and I think that's the encouraging thing to come out of this. It's still going to be interesting to see uh, if uh, – Teams try to start to take Ellingson away from uh, the Bombers and, and double him up because then that means Nick Dembski, uh, Rashid Bailey, Jewel Waller-Tuske, all those guys can step up. But uh, really good debut for him. And you could, we talked to Zach Caleros yesterday, and he just raved about Ellingson and his um, football IQ is how he put it. Um, they're both on the same page in, in terms of how they attack an offense. And I think it's only going to get more uh, – it's only going to get better in the weeks to come. Eddie, from uh, on the inside, I mean, uh, what can you tell us about that final 90 seconds of the game last week when the concussion spotter took Zach Caleros out? Um, he didn't seem like he wanted to go out. I mean, you'd almost obviously that would be the case if you have the ability to stay in to do that. Um, and then, you know, the reaction of the way that Drew Brown was able to go and be the hero at the end. I mean, listen, I was in the stands and no one could believe it. Well, I guess you can believe it. I mean, it's football. You need to protect the players. And I don't even disagree with the decision that was made. Um, but there was a lot of nervous people in blue on Friday night when a guy that had not seen much significant action at all went in. Um, it was a great story. First and foremost, how Zach, he'll be starting tonight. Um, and what does that performance for Drew Brown do to the level of confidence in the backup position after the MOP that everyone sort of thinks it's high and they're screwed if he's not in the game. That obviously yeah. wasn't the case. Yeah, it was a wild finish, wasn't it? Like uh, um, 
no one would have figured that was the script for that game to unfold the way it did. I think the reason that, from what I understand, the reason that Drew was pulled from the game by the injury spotter is the minute a player touches his head after a hit, which is what Zach did, it's a concern that, you know, he's he's been at his bell rung. And uh, that's why the concussion uh, spotter signaled down to take him out of the game. The timing was terrible, right? You think, oh, they're going to lose the game with the MOP watching for three plays with less than two minutes to go. But, boy, Drew, Drew Brown came in, and I guess the first thing he said to the rest of the huddle, okay, let's go get it. And uh, and then his cadence was off, and they have a penalty on the first play. So all of a sudden, they're first and 15. And then he goes bang, bang, bang with those three passes to Sean Dembski and Ellingson to set up the um, the game-winning field goal. The ball came out of his hand fast. It went to the right spot. Um, in terms of what that does for the for him and for the rest of the team, it's it's enormous. I mean, that was a question mark going into the season. It was a question mark last year because. Um, we didn't really know about a, a whole lot about Sean McGuire without having him having any preseason games. So what Drew Brown did in the preseason this year, and then in that one series, going three for three, that's just, it's it can be almost career changing for a guy because now everybody believes he feels good about himself. Uh, and, and, you know, he helped lead the team to a victory. It doesn't happen very often. You know, it made me, it, Steve Daniel from the CFL, reached out this week and said he's putting together a little note for the game package about backup quarterbacks in Winnipeg that have helped lead the team to a fourth quarter rally. And, you know, some names that came out were Alex Brink and Ryan Dinwiddie and, and Justin Goltz and Troy Koppel. That's the famous one. I was just going to get there. Drew Brown, remember that when Troy Koff came off the bench, it was his 15 minutes of fame, almost literally, because I think he played the fourth quarter. He went, he went nuts. The Bombers were winless. And then he does a radio show and, and says he's got no wheels. And someone, a car dealer, gives him a used car So uh, for the rest of the season. Um, I don't know. Maybe Drew Brown should have done more radio afterwards and kind of milked that moment for something else. What's he like? Uh, you know, I mean, you've been around him. I mean, a lot of Bomber fans, that was the first time they'd seen him before. I right. mean, you know, the backup quarterback, especially against a guy like Zach Caleros with all the accolades that he has is a unique position, but um, you know, you never know when you're going to get called. He got it. I imagine maybe walking a few inches taller when he got back into, uh, into the room after, uh, after a couple yeah. days off after the game. You know, uh, that's a good question. What's he's like, he's kind of right out of central casting for a quarterback. He's got this kind of bravado about him without being, uh, you know, it being coming across as bragging. Um, he's got, he's admittedly got a chip on his shoulder because he's about 5'10", 5'11", and he's been told all his life he's too small. Um, you know, he had, he didn't get recruited out of, out of uh, high school. He went to community college, then he went to Hawaii, then he finished up at uh, uh, Oklahoma State. He was back up to Taylor Cornelius in Edmonton for a bit. Um, there's something likable about him. He's He's got that gunslinger mentality. He, he mentioned this last year when he was uh, – about to play his first game at the end of last year in Calgary, that he kind of just lets her rip a little bit, you know, which is kind of cool. He's if I screw up, I'll get him on the next play. And and sometimes quarterbacks can get in their own way, right? They start overthinking things. And I think this guy's got a little bit of, uh, um, you know, just kind of I'm going to go out there and, and and be a baller. And I I like that in him. It's 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 cool. Um, what do we know about Prukop? He, I'll say this. I mean, you know, for the Sean McGuire role, he um, looked absolutely up to the challenge. And maybe the most impressive play he made with his legs was on that 
missed well, the field goal opportunity yeah. where I yeah. mean he didn't get the snap and then ended up running for a first down and keeping it keeping things going. But um, he's out right now. What does that do to the depth chart? And who is the who is the Prukop McGuire on short yardage right now? Is it Drew Brown or uh, will they handle things differently? Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure about the extent of uh, Prukop's injury. He was put on six game injured and not one game injured, but teams can pull uh, a player off. You know, that can be kind of an administrative thing from what I understand. I hope I'm not screwing that up, but he's on six game right now. And they've act- activated uh, Joe Mancuso, who was in camp. Uh, he will be the third quarterback tonight. As to what happens on short yardage, us, it's a great question because uh, it was asked yesterday. Um, Michael Shea didn't answer it. I would expect it's going to be Drew Brown on short yardage um, because Mancuso just hasn't had a lot of snaps of late. It also affects, the, as you mentioned, the holder, right, because uh, that was a, a real smart play by Prukop after he bobbled the snap to get in, to run around. So it could either be uh, uh, Greg Ellingson tonight or um, Dalton Schoen, I think, will be the holder. So it's funny how one little injury like that can affect so many things. And I know fantasy players will be talking about this because now does that mean that at the goal line, do you put in Drew Brown to run short yardage or will you be more tempted to just turn around and hand it off to Brady Oliver or Johnny Augustine? So there's a lot of people that are going to be watching the, the first drives tonight to see what Winnipeg does in those situations. Hey, you mentioned Mancuso. I, did I see this right, that they, he was brought off of the suspended list? Is that just like a clerical thing for being suspended or like yeah. was he actually suspended? Yeah, I, I you know, I, when I think of suspended, I think of something like you've done bad, something bad at school and you get sent to the I think Simone Lawrence. There you go. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that was the situation here at all. I think it is some sort of clerical thing. And I wish I could give you a, a real detailed lawyer kind of answer reading from the CBA, Huss, but I can't. You know, I don't like that stuff. But let's just say he wasn't suspended for being a, a bad actor. He was just suspended <laughs> for a paperwork or something like that. Um, listen, we've talked about the backups, but um, what about Zach? How's he feeling right now? What did he have to say this week? And uh, I'm sure he'll be looking for a much more um, effective and consistent bomber offense than we saw in uh, week one. I think he's good to go. He practiced right all week. Uh, he, he was... He said after the game, even that he was good to go. He was with his family. He was one of the first guys to uh, congratulate Drew Brown on that drive. Uh, so he's good to go. You know, um, I think like a lot of guys on offense, they just want to be sharper. And and Zach's a future coach uh, in this league. Maybe if he wants, he's got that coaching mentality. Uh, I, I he'll have dissected that game like every step he took, every throw he made. Uh, he'll have analyzed it and overanalyzed it. I expect him to be better. You know, there's a lot of little things, like even Greg Ellingson talked about the timing of the waggle by the receivers was off. And and again, this maybe is the byproduct of not playing a lot of preseason snaps together. I, I really think the Bombers will be a lot better tonight. And I don't, I'm not even talking about what, you know, the the matchup with Ottawa. I just think if you talk, looking at the Bombers and the Bombers only, I expect them to be a lot sharper. Ed Tate's with us in Ottawa with BlueBombers.com. 6.30 p.m. kickoff tonight. TSN television, CJOB radio. Um, Ed, did you see the game last night? We uh, were watching it while we were having our uh, our steak dinners on the road like we always do. Um, so the couple, a couple guys had the phones out, and then we saw the highlights. And, of course, there was a big eruption when the missed field goal happened oh. at the table. 21-yarder. So, uh, well, I mean, that was – that's as bad – 
of yeah. a choke job on what would be automatic. Um, and I mean, the difference between winning and losing, I feel for Gary Stern. I actually, I'm a big fan of his. I mean, I like guys that go in and trying to engage, have some fun. And I think it's good for the league. Um, and you could see, I kept, they kept showing him how excited he was with the way that they were coming back. And I mean, that's, that's made 99, 98 times out of a hundred. And yet with the game on the line, it didn't end up. My God, the, the shots of Kahari Jones and the Al's uh, bench. I'm not sure whether the kicker got on the same bus home or flight <laughs> home with the club, but uh, that's a hell of a tough way to lose a football game. And every game's oh. so important. I mean, a divisional game on the road against a rival. I mean, what a missed opportunity. Now, there's a lot going on in Montreal now, isn't there? They're 0-2. They lost two games by, I think it's a total of four points. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the starting quarterback, Vernon Adams, gets yanked in the second quarter. So now you've got a quarterback controversy. Your team's 0-2. Your kicker can't hit a 21-yarder. Your owner says that uh, they're going to kill the team that they're playing this week. The Argos then draws it back. He's wearing a stand-back jersey on, in the box. And he's on the sidelines talking to the GM. Uh, my buddy Herb Zerkowski is going to be having a blast in the next uh, week or so uh, writing about all this stuff for the Montreal Gazette. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, of course, Andrew Harris looked like Andrew Harris. I mean, we joked yesterday that he always had a chip on his shoulder. It's going to be the size of a boulder this year. I mean, 40 <laughs> yards rushing in those first two uh, possessions. I think he finished up with just about 90 on the ground, another 20, uh, yep. 33. 33 still got some gas left in the tank. And that we always know what motivates Andrew. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, if he can stay healthy, how productive he can be on a team that has some very high hopes in the East. Yeah, so uh, you're right about his numbers. They were really impressive. And, you know, there's that one run early in the game when he hurtled over somebody. I thought that, that's classic Andrew Harris. It still doesn't look right to me seeing him in oh. that different color uniform. I, I, I guess the concern would be, you know, he, he didn't uh, – I guess he was taken out for precautionary measures in the fourth quarter because of his hamstring – of a hamstring injury. So that's going to be why he, his uh, season will be under the microscope, right? He's 34, 35 years old and – um the body can only take so much pounding over the years. and But you're right about the chip on his shoulder. I'm not sure a boulder is even big enough to uh, <laughs> describe it. It might be an asteroid husk to how big that thing is on his shoulder. Well said, well said. Ed, uh, will we uh, get some more of your wit and wisdom on the OB pregame or the broadcast at all tonight? Uh, what uh, What's coming up for you uh, before kickoff? I'll bring the wit and wisdom if I can find some. Uh, yeah, I'm on the pregame show with uh, Doug Brown and uh, Derek Taylor. Should be fun. Um, this is a great place to watch a game. Um, they're hoping for. Uh, yesterday they said they only had 2,500 uh, tickets left to be sold. And nice. it, again, the pounding has stopped out there. Those construction guys who must be on a coffee. Sure, it's break. not honking. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> We might be getting rain, but I'm, I'm hoping that we can get close to a sellout. It's always fun to, to be, be here. They can do a great job here. The crowd is really young, and it's a big party. It, it feels an awful lot like uh, IG Field on a bomber night. Eddie, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate your flexibility with us as well. That was, uh, that was huge. Uh, good luck to the squad tonight, and hopefully we'll uh, have you on next week to talk about a 2-0 team. Uh, uh, yes, and I apologize for the... Technical issues at the beginning. That's on me. And again, it's all about this. Me trying to avoid these stupid earplugs that I had to put in because of the guys here that woke me up at seven o'clock in the morning. I was cranky. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. But thanks for, for having me on again, Huss.
Maybe mix in a nap before a big night tonight. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Eddie yeah. Tate, bluebombers.com. Check out uh, all the reports on the game, previews as well up there right now at the site. And of course, all of Ed's uh, work after the game, post game tonight. Um, all right, we've got lots more to come, more hockey talk. We're going to head back to Denver in a few minutes with Dave Pagnotta. We've got to get to the cool bet lines. And Remus has uh, an interesting Jets offseason report that uh, <laughs> we're going to fire up. Uh, but listen, let me give you a quick update on the U.S. Open. While we're here, Callum Terran and David Lingmurth are on the course right now. They are leading at four under par. Scotty Scheffler is in the clubhouse at three under par after a 67 today. And Colin Morikawa and Big John Rahm are also both two under for the rounds at minus three so far. Adam Hadwin had a real tough start to his round um, earlier on with three bogeys on the front nine and another one on his 11th hole. But birdied 17 and 18. He ended up finishing two over, but sits still in the top 10 at two under par. Great spot for Adam Hadwin at the U.S. Open. Of course, uh, coverage continuing on TSN all afternoon for you as well. All of our golf worth brought to you by our friends over at Breezy Bend Country Club. If you're looking for an amazing spot to, you know, have your uh, you and your family golf for years to come, Talk to our friend Corey Johnson about next year, getting on that waiting list. And, of course, you can find out more online at breezybend.ca. Well, I know there's been a lot of talk about Little Brown Jug this week. The weekend is here. I know people are discussing what celebratory ale they might want to have if Barry Trotz does sign. Remo mentioned the five-year anniversary Champagne-like brew. I think we're just going to go with the 1919s this weekend. But I'll tell you what, one of the best bets, if you haven't tried Little Brown Jug and some of the other beers they have, pick up the Summer Variety Pack available now at your local beer store or pop down and see them at William Avenue. Grab a couple pints there. Grab whatever you want to uh, to take out with you. And, of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. And, hey, if you're looking for a new whip this summer, start your search over at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Um, I mean, if you head down there, you'll see an amazing array of vehicles, including a bunch of Teslas on the lot. And talk to them about their Tesla experience program if you're considering going electric. Mayor, the Not team can take care of all your car worries quick and easy and identify and find a car if you're looking for a particular make and model. Not Autocorp, Waver and McGilvery and online at not.ca. And a big cheers to our friends Nick and Nikki. 35 and Sunday. 35 and sunny on Sunday. You know what that means. There has not been a better day on the calendar this year to take the gang down to the Nick and Nikki DQ for some ice cream treats, some blizzards, and maybe mix in one of those stack burgers as well. Nick and Nikki are the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Pop by, tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And hey, if you need an ice cream cake for a party or an event, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it custom made for you and pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, Dave Padnotta coming up in about five, ten minutes or so. Let's get Remus back in here and... Uh, Remo, what's your call on the game tonight, by the way? The bomber game? Yeah. Because the Stanley Cup doesn't go until tomorrow. Um, bomber game? Uh, I think I'm leading, kind of leading Ottawa. I don't know. It was really close last week. The line opened at six. I was all in on Ottawa. It's moved quite a bit. It's was Oh, it's minus one for the Bombers <laughs> on cool bet. 
Oh man. Yeah, let's do the cool bet lines right now while we're doing it. Cause we got to, after we talk to Pagnotta, Ooh. we're gonna need to fire up the marbles. Um, this is amazing. This is open at six and a half for the bombers. When we did the lock shop earlier this week, uh, getting ready for Tuesday's program, Monday night, it was six. It is now minus one for Winnipeg. Yesterday it was minus two and a half. So if you want to bet the Bombers, <laughs> waiting has been your friend. Um, Bomber right, Bombers right now on the money line, minus 115. So um, listen, great value. I think the Bombers will be better and can get this win tonight. I think I'm going to be jumping on that. And if you had Ottawa at plus six, you can get the Bombers at minus one and have a nice, big, juicy middle in there uh, to try to win both bets. That would be if the Bombers would cover the one uh, but not win by more than six and get in on that side. Kind of wild that you know that game is the closest game on the board right now because the Hamilton Tiger Cats are now one-and-a-half-point favorites against the Calgary Stampeders. That game going tomorrow at 5.30 our time. And then the late game, the home opener for the Edmonton Elks after that embarrassment in BC last week. They are taking on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders after their big win over the Ticats. And the Riders are eight-point favorites on the road against Edmonton. And uh, listen, I can't say I'm surprised that the line's gone that way, Remus, when you think of how bad Edmonton was last weekend in BC. Yeah, a couple of roster changes here. We know we know Jackson Jeffcoat's back for the Bombers. We talked about that. But Duke Williams, he just got ruled out for Saskatchewan, and he was pretty good for them in week one. Won't be available in week two. I wonder how that's going to affect the offense. There's always so much criticism last year about Cody Fajardo, how he doesn't throw deep. I thought Williams kind of changed that. Now, if you're playing fantasy, I do think that bumps up uh, Shaq Evans, a bit, who did have a nice game last week as well. Edmonton just looked absolutely terrible, getting dominated by BC. We'll see if they can follow it up uh, at home. This Calgary-Hamilton game, I don't know what to make of it. Hamilton, I thought they were going to hold uh, have a bit of a better showing against Saskatchewan. They did not. Calgary squeak went out against Montreal. Uh, I think Hamilton will be slightly better. Dane Evans is, is pretty rough. Uh, you know they've gone back to the Grey Cup as well at, last year. So uh, yeah, maybe I go with the home see, team. And then they're going to see Masoli tonight. It was yeah. kind of funny seeing uh, you know all the turnovers and what, eight sacks last week against Saskatchewan for Hamilton? Yeah. Um, right after Jeremiah Masoli did something that no quarterback did against the Bombers last year. And that was light up that defense for 380 yards in the air. Uh, as far as the Stanley Cup final goes, I'm going to head to Denver in a minute with Dave Pagnotta. Uh, Lightning plus 125 for tomorrow's game. Avalanche minus 147. But as we mentioned, and I got to give a shout out to our guy Gitch in the chat. He said that Tampa was going to lose game number one in overtime. And then he was going to bet them for the series at a much better number. Well, you've got that better number right now. Plus 215 for the Lightning in the series. Um, and listen, if they get a win tomorrow night, that number will probably flip-flop to about even money. So uh, I'm still bullish on Tampa's chances, considering the way they came back after an uncharacteristically poor first period by Andre Vasilevsky. So right now, Lightning plus 215 for the series. Avalanche minus 270. And the over-under on the series, uh, still over five and a half games. I absolutely think we're going to get at least six minus 145. Uh, you can also predict the correct outcome of the series as well all over at cool bet if you've never bet there before use the promo code wst for a 100 deposit up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at cool bet 
Um, all right, uh, Remo, Dave Pagnotta is coming up in a few minutes. Again, folks, make sure to stay tuned. Once we're finished up with Dave, we'll get into a Friday marble race. Uh, but Remo, while we've got a second, do we want to get to a uh, a new feature on Winnipeg Sports Talk, the Winnipeg Jets off-season update that you've been compiling? Yeah, I've really been working hard on this one. Uh, so it's the off-season and... You know, you want to keep track of what your favorite players are up to, right? And in 2022, there's one way to do that, and it's on Instagram. And I don't know if this is going to be, uh, what, creeping on the offseason or what, but this is our update. What are they up to? And we'll start with Adam Lowry. He actually had a pretty good announcement uh, yesterday. Let me bring this up. He partnered with the Toba Center for Children and Youth to become one of their ambassadors to help raise awareness around the issue of child abuse in Manitoba. And he said he tags their website for more information, tobacenter.ca. So shout out to Adam Lowry getting involved in the community. Uh, we'll keep going. This is all, maybe we'll do this once a week. I see what their players are up to, up to sorry, what they I, are in I the tell you what, this will be a perfect tease. We've got Adam yeah. Lowry's charity work. Now we're going to get some more fun stuff from some of the other players. But let's do that after... We head to Denver and check in with Dave Pagnotta of the fourth period, who is there for the Stanley Cup final and joins us now before tomorrow's game two. Dave, what's going on? Thanks so much for joining us. How are things at the cup final? Uh, it's it's like 35 degrees here in Denver right now. So <laughs> uh, it's uh, but it's it's great. It, look, game one was was amazing. The atmosphere here in the city is is great. And um, I'm just excited we're able to do this again. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, I, listen, I'm sure you would agree. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time we had as juicy a matchup in the cup final. I mean, for yeah. me, I think it might go back to the Pittsburgh-Detroit rematch at the end yeah. of, you know, 08-09. Uh, and game one certainly delivered. I mean, you had that great start by Colorado, which maybe some people thought with the time off, like it certainly had hurt some other teams earlier on. That wasn't the case. And maybe the most surprising thing was, as I said yesterday, Andre Vasilevsky looked like Mike Smith for the first period of that game, but then got <laughs> back together. And, you know, Tampa, you're, they're just so hard to kill. But, man, the relentless forecheck and speed of Colorado. I mean, they did a great job of forcing turnovers, and it ended up being one quick turnover that a couple seconds later was in the back of the net that ended up being the difference in that first game. Yeah, I mean, Tampa has a tendency in game ones um, to go through their evaluation period. Um, you know, they don't go fully all out in game ones. Typically, uh, they, 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 the feeling out process is kind of from start to finish. And that was kind of how they performed in game one. Victor Hedman has admitted he was garbage, uh, really, which I, you never expect him to say, or you never expect him to see. Uh, but he was not good in game one. He knows it. The team knows it. You mentioned Vasilevsky giving up the three goals in the first period. That's the first time he's done that in a playoff game in the first in his in his career. Um, so I guess he was kind of due for an off one. But this this is a team that you know was kind of sitting back a little bit too much, trying to get a sense of exactly what they're up against with the Avs. They know it's a long series; it's likely going to be a long series. Um, so they're they're not going to be you know, panicky by, by any stretch. I'm expecting them to come out a lot stronger in game two, be a lot more aggressive, be a lot more um, offensive in this one, a lot more on the attack to kind of almost match uh, Colorado a little bit. It's tough with all their speed, but um, the Avs just played a perfect game. Keep doing what you're doing if you're Colorado. There's going to be some adjustments definitely for um, for the Bolts, but they 
they've already put that first game behind them and uh, they're gearing up for game two tomorrow. Yeah. And they've done that over and over throughout the playoffs. And, you know, a no. big amount of the credit has to go to John Cooper, who's proven himself to be one of, if not the top head coach in the National Hockey League and the adjustments that they've made series after series. Um, and the other teams have not been able to sort of turn the momentum back in their favor. Certainly we saw it after going down 2 nothing and winning four straight against the New York Rangers. On the Avalanche side of things, though, I mean, listen, we've watched this team all year, and you know how talented they are, but, man, yep. were they ready to play in, in one. And not only are they able to, you know, they skate so fast and can move the puck, the speed of their passing, I mean, it was yeah. like it was like watching the Harlem Globetrotters on fast forward at times in the first <laughs> period. It was that impressive. And it's all being led by Nate McKinnon, who honestly, dude, just seems like a man on a mission. I mean, the amount of rubber he's throwing at NHL goalies right now through the playoffs continues yeah. to be eye-popping. 13 shot attempts in the game, and um, he really is a man on a mission, and they're going to need him to play like that for the entire series, I think, if they want to finally unseat the back-to-back -back champs. Yeah, absolutely. I think there was one game, I think it was game three against Edmonton, that he had 11 shots on net, not not just attempts. He hit the net 11 times, or the goalie anyway. Um, look, yeah, he, he's absolutely on a mission. There's there's no question. He talked about getting to this point, how long it's taken him. They anticipated getting here uh, you know, a lot sooner, but they're here now. He's fully embracing it. And you're right, he has to be this good because, you know, Nas Kadri hit the ice today, was skating around. He had the stick in his hand. Um, but he's just not there yet, I don't think, by any stretch. Probably going to have missed a couple more games. Um, Cogliano was was practicing with the group as well. He's going to be a game-time decision by the sounds of things tomorrow. Um, but no Kadri. Second line shifts a little bit. Yeah, Nate McKinnon's going to have to be the same guy we saw in game one throughout the rest of this series, even if Kadri does come back. He's not going to be 100% healthy. That right hand, his, his, uh, his thumb that he had surgery on. I mean, that's where he grips the stick up top. So if he can't control the stick properly, it's going to be a little bit of a problem for him, obviously. So yeah, guys like Nate McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog had a really good game as well in game one. Miko Randon stepped up as well. They've got the forward core. Valerie Nikushkin has been such an underrated addition for this club, even though he's been so good. Dallas version of him is long gone. Um, they're, they're happy certainly with their depth and with their stars that are performing. And we didn't even talk about Kale McCarr. Yeah, well, okay, we've been talking about Makar nonstop for the entire playoffs. <laughs> he's been that good. I think he's still the odds-on favorite if Colorado wins to win yep. that Conn Smythe trophy. I agree. But but you know what, Dave? You know, we had some great chats heading into the trade deadline, and it's always fun for NHL fans and certainly for the media talking about the big fish on the market. But when you look at the guys that are really making the impact right now for the teams that are still standing, it wasn't the big swings. It wasn't the Drew. It's Nick Paul. Yep. And it's Arturi Letkinen right now. I mean, first of all, what do you make of the way that they approach the deadline, both of these teams, and now they are where they are with real impactful contributions from guys that maybe the average fan wouldn't expect? Yeah, add Josh Manson to Colorado side, Perfect. Brandon Hagel to Tampa side. Um, the, these are key additions. And when you look at these teams that make these types of additions, it's never the top tier guy. You know, usually you have your core, you've got your top six pretty much nailed down, your top pair defense pretty much nailed down. It's those extra little intangible pieces that you've got to add. And, you know, Hagel and, and Paul bring that extra energy. They play strong defensive. They're, they're, they're strong on the puck. They can put the puck in the net. They're, they're kind of that all-around type, uh, type of piece that you need on a championship-caliber team that you can kind of slot, sometimes on the second line, sometimes on the third line. I mean, these are middle six kind of forwards that – bring a lot of energy to their, to their team and to their roster. And then on uh, 
Colorado side, Lekkinen is a, a jack of all trades. He can score. He can play sound defensively. He's got some speed with him. He's got great hands. And he was in the Stanley Cup final last season. So against the Tampa team. So certainly going to be helping, you know, to try to try to provide some more information on what he faced with the Habs that can kind of help the Habs a little bit. So just strong pieces. Josh Manson as well. I uh, had a couple bad games against Edmonton and then I mean, the rest of the playoffs, he's been solid for them. They needed that extra bigger body on that blue line. Um, these are just strong, uh, uh, scientific kind of ads that they bring to the table for both of these clubs. Kudos to both Joe Sackick and Julian Brisebois for pulling it off. Dave Pagnotta of the fourth period joining us from Denver before tomorrow's game two of the Stanley Cup final on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Aside from the final, and I guess with the extra couple days, there's been lots of time for you and the rest of the media to get together. Uh, clink glasses and uh, talk of what's going on around the league. I mean, you're well aware that we've been on Trot's watch since about an hour after we found out that he was fired by the New York Islanders. I've got this truck of beer waiting to uh, drop off at Barry's spot at some point. I mean, are we going to be doing that next week? What what are you hearing about the Trot situation uh, and the Winnipeg head coaching vacancy? They're still talking to other candidates. Um, I believe they spoke with or are about to speak with Travis Green. Um, as well. They've got to keep their options open if Trotz decides that he doesn't want to take on a coaching position, um, not just with Winnipeg, but with with some of the other teams that are that are out there. So, you know, Chevy's doing his thing, making sure that he's doing his due diligence and keeping his options open if things don't work out with, with Barry Trotz. Obviously, they'd love for him to be, you know, the guy and, and he's their number one candidate. Um, but as I said, Travis Green's getting a discussion if it hasn't happened already. Um, and I've got to imagine there, there are others out there as well that are still in the mix and still in the fold from, you know, their backup option perspective. So I, I don't think it's as clear cut just yet with respect to the coaching situation in Winnipeg. I think Dallas is trying to finalize things with Pete DeBoer. Um, you know, Green's getting options. He also spoke with, with uh, Detroit as well. Uh, you know, Edmonton's got to make a decision on Woodcroft. You know, uh, Chicago's got to make a decision as well. Are they going to keep King? Uh, is Florida going to keep uh, Andrew Brunette. So a lot of, a lot of different pieces that are still out there in terms of, in terms of options, but I don't think it's as clear cut yet for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, what about the Boston? Well, Boston and Detroit are the two ones that are open right now. I mean, there are some others that could come yeah. open, I guess that uh, potentially, but um, you know, the Boston, first of all, I was stunned that Bruce Cassidy got fired. I mean, with the amount of winning that he'd done, but yeah. I think it sort of speaks to where that organization is in and a potential real sort of downside at least for a season with the injuries of uh, McAvoy, Marchand, the uncertain future of Patrice Bergeron. Um, it was interesting to hear the names that they apparently are interviewing didn't include Barry Trotz. Where are the no. Bruins going? And um, what do you make of this offseason for Boston, considering what's to come next year? Yeah, the, the other quick thing on Trotz is it's going to cost a lot of this. Um, so he that, turned that's down be- seven mil, apparently. Well, the Philly, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't think that was, I, they were gunning for, for John Tortorella from the get-go. Um, and I think the seven mil, I don't, I, I don't think it was offered, um, but it was, it might've been discussed. And I think that's what effectively put Philly to the side and said, no, we're, we're not going in that direction. And that might've been, I mean, Boston could have caught wind of that too, or, or right off the bat and said, you know what, we, we don't need to go in that, in that direction. So I, I wonder if that's a factor for the jets here, but you know, yeah, Boston needed a change invoice uh some of the reports out there with respect to players talking and 
to getting together and, and deciding that, you know, they didn't feel like he was going to be the right guy for them anymore. I'm told that's more or less accurate. There's a few other little things that, that kind of happened behind the scenes there that led to Cassidy moving out. But sometimes the guy that's been there six years, they make the playoffs every year. They made the cup final, went away from the Stanley cup and then the conference final the following year. And you keep going in that direction. Sometimes, you know, it just kind of falls on deaf ears because guys go, look, we've been here before. It's the same message. You know, sometimes you need that change. And and for them to go in the direction of, for the most part, younger um, head coaches, candidates for, for the Boston Bruins, I think it, it sounds like they're comfortable in moving in that direction. It might be a situation where for the guys in the room, that type of voice, that type of guy that's a, that's a little bit younger might resonate better with some of, some of these players. What are you hearing about Steve Eiserman and what he's up to in Detroit? That that's sort of been the one vacancy that we no. haven't heard a lot of um a lot of action on. Yeah, he does a ridiculously good job in keeping everything tight. Um the only thing I know definitively is that Travis Green was part of the discussion. Um other than that, I think they're also going in that kind of young direction. Um and 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 I mean, some of the similar candidates that Boston have are, I would imagine, very much in the mix um, in Detroit as well, because that's kind of the direction they seem to be going in. And with their team that much younger, and they're still going through their rebuilding process, and I think they're just going to start to get out of that, where they're going to start to take the next step. You probably want a younger coach that resonates with these younger guys, early 20s, and can build something together for the long haul. Very similar to what they did in uh, what he did in Tampa when he was there, bringing in John Cooper and a lot of their players that kind of grew with Coop along the way, Kucherov, Kalorin, Palat, um, Vassi, and, and so on and so on. I mean, these are guys that played together and, and, and he coached in the A and then moved along to, um, to, to the NHL and look how well it's kind of turned out for them. So I think that's the direction he prefers to go in, um, but we'll see. I, I really honestly haven't heard of who a potential top one or top two um, candidates for that job are. I think it's still pretty open, but yeah, Stevie keeps it tight. You think it's tight in, on Long Island with with Lou. Steve, Stevie does a really good job, too. Dave Pagnotto, the fourth period with us. Hey, before we go, uh, you hearing the name Mark Shifley when you're uh, talking to uh, uh, your, <laughs> uh, your folks? It's been interesting because certainly yeah. at the end of the season, and this is something we've talked about for months here on this program as to how they go at the end of this year and you know the changes that they do make. Um, but it sort of sounds like maybe there's more of a potential of you know, working this thing out and having Shifley back. I mean, what are you hearing right now? I think they want to figure out what where things lie with, with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, first, first and foremost, get a sense of what his contract is going to look like and how much term can they attach to his next deal. If it's long-term, then I think we'll hear, and, and he, he locks this in before the draft, then I think we're going to hear more of Mark Shifley's name out there next month, probably three weeks from now, right before the draft, the week leading up to it. If there's uncertainty with Dubois, you have to kind of hang tight a little bit because you don't. if you don't know what direction it's going to go, you, you, you're kind of stuck a little bit. So they know what they're doing, obviously. Chevy's trying to figure things out, but I think the, the domino effect here, one way or another, will be what happens with Dubois and if he sticks around, if they're able to do something long-term, then I think that opens things up for the possibility of Shifley getting moved out. Um, if it doesn't, then it's it's a little dicey because you may have to go a different direction you don't want to with Dubois. But I think we'll get some clarity on that in about two, three weeks. Dave, thanks so much for doing this. Say hi to Dennis for us. And uh, Definitely. Don't have too much fun tonight. Tomorrow's a game day. We're, we're actually we're going to the Rockies game, so... 
we're going to, I don't know if that's good or not in terms of keeping it tame, but we're, we're, we'll have fun. Thanks for doing this, pal. All the best. You got it, buddy. Take care. There, there's David Pagnotta of the fourth period with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, we've got lots to get to. I do want to thank our friends at Princess Auto for their support of WST. I was talking to the folks there. They're real excited. They got the uh, big gold eye sponsorship coming up in uh, mid-July. Uh, but we're looking forward to the next Bomber game uh, coming up next week, where, of course, the Princess Auto pregame tailgate will be rocking before the game. Our buddy DJ Finesse spinning there. Lots of great food, drinks. It is the place to be before the game. Uh, and, of course, the folks from Princess Auto will be there giving out some freebies, a little bit of swag. So make sure to pop by there before the game. And, of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of both the Bombers and the Gold Eyes, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new at Princess Auto. Visit them in-store, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Hey, I got a note from my friends over at Boston Pizza for you Blue Jay fans. Next Monday, June 20th at BP Polo Park, the Blue Jays are taking on the Chicago White Sox and uh, there's a big Blue Jays viewing party at BP Polo Park. Um, you can find out more at Boston Pizza, or you can grab your seat for it. Um, and if you would like to book a table for reservations, they are taking reservations for this because they want to grab, you know, pack it with Blue Jays fans. Give them a buzz at 204-925-4107. Everyone will get a Blue Jays baseball cap on arrival. You could also win a signed baller jersey. There's going to have free food, some free drinks, courtesy of Budweiser, and tons of giveaways. So, uh, again, if you want to take that in, BP Polo Park, Monday night, 925-4107 to reserve a table. Should be a great night over at BP, watching a little Blue Jays baseball with some great prizes and offers from the Jays and our friends over at BP. And, uh, hey, Monday is also the return of live racing to Assiniboia Downs. And hopefully I'll have a better week picking horses than I did this week. And be sure to join us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You'll have the chance on WST to pick the winner of race number six. And we'll be taking five winners and their guests out for the world-famous Prime Rib Buffet in uh, the next couple weeks. So uh, be sure to join us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And if you do want to get out to the track, live racing is back. And, of course, you can get to asdowns.com to uh, find out more on uh, booking a spot in the Terrace Dining Room if you so desire. All right, let's get Reem back in here. We've got a couple things that we need to do. Of course, our marble race is coming up with our friends at Canadian Club. Uh, and don't forget, weekends here, ready to drink, CC and ginger is available. And if you pop by any of the Canadian's uh, beer stores, you can grab a six-pack. You'll get a free Bomber Slim Can koozie, and you'll be entered to win a Winnipeg Blue Bomber autographed jersey. And it's not just one. There's one at each Canadian's bottle shop. So if you haven't tried the new CC and Ginger, ready to drink, it's there for you. Bomber Slim Can koozie, chance to win a Bomber jersey at your local Canadian's beer stores. And, of course, you can get Canadian Club at the game at IG Field when uh, the Bombers are back on the field. Of course, tonight they're in Ottawa taking on the Red Blacks. Uh, we did the cool bet lines, so we've got to get to some marbles coming up. Let's get Remus back in here. Remo, what do you say we open up the contest and while people are 
announcing their candidacy for the marble race this afternoon, we can get back to our Winnipeg Jets offseason update. How does that sound? Yeah, our Friday offseason update. What are they up to on the Instagram here? Because, you know, there's no hockey news. And our Stanley Cup playoffs is basically following these Barry Trotz uh, reports every day. So, yeah, I opened it, exclamation mark marbles. You will get in there. I've loaded it up. We're all set there. We're going to be good to go. So, yeah. yes. Uh, and if you're new, by the way, we do this every Friday afternoon. All you want to do is go into the YouTube chat, put in exclamation mark marbles. Um, we'll uh, grab all the names. We'll throw them in. Everyone will get one. And the winner will get a Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club co-branded hoodie. And uh, shout out to the Cruiser who won a couple weeks ago. He popped by and uh, grabbed his hoodie yesterday uh, when he was in. And also Kevin Kowalik, who won last week, popped in on his way to the Glorious Sons concert. Great to have some Brandon winners on the program. Um, so we've got it going on. Exclamation mark marbles right now. Get them in. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that. Remo, we know that Adam Lowry is doing some great yes. charity work in town. What else is happening on the Jets off-season update? Jets, okay, Kyle Connor. Look at this fish. I don't know if this Ooh. is at Aikens, but this is a monster. That's uh, a beauty. Orchard Lake, Michigan. He did mention on our on this show that he was out in Michigan uh, as well. Right, I got to so say, I love that Tigers hoodie that he's wearing. He was at a Tigers game. He's been having quite the off-season, winning the Lady Bing, coming on this show. So, I mean, that's two, like, bucket list items right there. <laughs> no doubt about it. Big Tigers fan back in his home state of Michigan, not too far from the D. Uh, nice one. All right, so Kyle Carter's got, catching fish. Oh, yeah, What's Jansen, next? Har Jansen Harkins with family at the beach. Oh, what a lovely family photo of uh, Team Harkins. I think his brother's got a sweet mullet. Wow, that's, yeah, that's I, not bad at all. There's a, a lot going on, a lot of compliments in the comments about the Harkins, Harkins hair. So there you go. And Nikolai Ehlers enjoying uh, the Denmark soccer. Oh, yeah. There Ehlers, is a big soccer guy, fan of Chelsea, and, of course, repping his country, Danes. you got to love those glasses. That's a hell of an outfit by Nick. I imagine we got to get those here. Uh, maybe Royal Sports will have them in um, when Canada's in the World Cup in Qatar later. I saw they actually posted on Instagram story. They finally got some Davies jerseys and Jonathan David jerseys in. The jerseys nice. Talked for so long that you can't find. Apparently, they're a real sports now. Not apparently. Beautiful, I saw them beautiful. On I'm Instagram. glad you told me. I'm going to pop in and get one before they are before they are gone. Yeah. All right. So Nikolai Ehlers is right. enjoying some what Carlsberg. Oh, speaking of concerts, concerts are back, and there's Dominic Toninato at the Morgan Wall and Eric Church concert. Oh wow, big big country jam for uh, yeah. for the Toninator. There's speaking. Of, there's one concert that started. The tour started yesterday. The stadium tour. With Motley Crue, Poison, and Def Leppard. F after a two-year delay, started last night, Huss. Come I'm, on. There I was watching videos of Vince Neil. Uh, well, not quite running around the stage, but he was there. I don't know. Tom Tommy Lee played drums for four songs, then announced he broke his ribs. And uh, I guess previously, he wasn't supposed to play, and then he had his drum tech. Come on. <laughs> so, off to a good start there. Uh, what else do we add? A couple, a couple quick hitters of former Jets. This is the former Jet uh, Oh, section. alumni off-season report? Uh, alumni. Yes, let's do it. Okay, here it is. Marco Dano uh, got married in Hawaii. Lovely oh, photos. Congratulations, Marco. Congratulations, Marco Dano. This is all in the last week. So this is like en endless content here of uh, <laughs> Jets Instagram. And Julian Melchiori didn't get married. He got engaged. The he, Milkman making he wrote, moves. 
He wrote it as a long-term deal. That's how he, he wrote it, using the <laughs> hockey terminology. Nicely done. Hey, Nicely th done, Julian. This is the last one. Get your sunglasses. It's a bit of a heater here. Uh, this is not a jet, but a uh, former guest of the show, Dale Weiss, says, who's ready for summer and uh, for these bugs to go away? He's ready for the weekend, going shirtless. Weezy's ripped. Weezy's yeah. ripped, keeping it in shape. Uh, actually, he's a good friend, uh, he and his wife, and uh, well, it's such yeah. a lovely family. He's got a lot on the go right now. Uh, we'll definitely be talking hockey with Dale, uh, but he's doing a lot right now, and he's obviously not missing any days at the gym. I'll say that as well. Who, Nate Thompson, former Jet, comments, get this guy a contract and put a rocket emoji. So <laughs> that's the best part about, uh, you know, the Instagram where the players chirp each other, chirp each other on it. So there you go. That's your nope. Jets, uh, Jets off-season update here. Uh, uh, June via, 17. Via Instagram. Uh, shout yeah. out to that. All right, let's close it up and let's get ready to finish off this week with a marble race. Folks, by the way, you do have to be subscribed to the channel to win. So if you haven't already, just make sure you hit that red subscribe button. And of course, it's completely free. Uh, and by the way, hit that thumbs up as well. We're going to have, we should need at least as many thumbs up as we do have marbles in the race. Very simple. Just uh, hit it and uh, we'll go from there. Now, we do have the permanent marble offer for Barry Trotz. Barry is definitely, definitely getting in. Uh, who else do we need to put in? I think we need to put Dubsy in. He's always great. And then, um, uh, and then you know what? Let's give Rennie a marble today too, Reem, be, uh, because, of course, he took the time to join us all the way from the Stanley Cup final. Uh, anyone else do you think we should, yeah. uh, we should throw one in one on? One sec. Let me get these ready. While I get them ready, should we play this... Um clip this 40 second clip of matt calvert i did oh. tease it about, <laughs> yes. so, so as i get these ready so matt calvert was on with us this was a, he was on earlier this week talking about the abs but this was a couple weeks ago talking about it always comes back to tortorella with him and <laughs> always with torts being hired everyone is just tagging cam atkinson being like hi you got to play for torts again right and Coincidentally, uh, Calvert, last time he was on the show, early, a couple weeks ago, did have this story about uh, Tortorella building culture in Columbus. And here it is. Oh, wait. There you go. Accountability. Uh, a lot of times the, the top players, the, the Mark Shifley's, the Blake Wheeler's, you know, might not be held as accountable as, as the bottom six guys. But John Tortorella, that, you know, I, I saw him. I saw him getting a yelling match with my good buddy Cam Atkinson in the room. It was pretty funny because they're both about five foot, five foot seven tall, and and they're face to face. And I'm sitting across the room. It was this, in between the first second period in New Jersey, and I'm almost dying laughing. Torts is telling him to take his take his shit off, and Cam's saying I'm not taking my shit off, and they're going back and forth. But but that right there, it sends a message to the rest of the room, just that. Hey, Cam was probably our leading scorer that season, and and if you don't want to show up for two games straight, well, in Torts' words, I'm gonna pipe you, and uh, he tried piping him. Like <laughs> I could listen to these stories all day. Matt is listen. I know he's having some fun out of the Cup Finals, and uh, Avalanche alumni watching his team was very happy. Uh, but what quickly has become one of our favorite guests. And yes, has had a number of great stories about playing for John Tortorella. All right, Remo, we actually have three more marbles that we need to get in, oh, that we okay, need to sure. add in. Okay. Steven Wino, thank you oh, for the suggestion, for his incredible story on the uh, Little Brown Jug, our beer offer for Barry Trotz. 
And then I think because they were both so popular yesterday on the program, we need to throw one in for Stormy, and we definitely need to put one in for Sarah. Yeah. Uh, Stormy. Okay, perfect. They're in. So we got 100. We had 147 chatters go in. Shout out to all the chatters. And then we have Dubs, Rennie, Barry Trotz, Wino, Orleski, and Storm. So a lot of combo. We actually did get a comment yesterday, or sorry, it was today in our YouTube. Love reading the YouTube comments. So, if, you know, if you, even if you're on after the stream, you want to say hi, you enjoyed something, uh, let us know. Uh, where is this comment? From a chatter? Has a guy from New York found us somehow? Maybe Power it was the of... New York Post article. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah <but laughs> Just <it's>... thinking. <laughs> he said, I have to tell you, I split my residence between Vegas and New York City. I really like your show. Great guest. Love Stormy from VEASAN. Really informative listen. Winnipeg is a really good sports town, and it always has been a great professional wrestling town. This guy knows the stuff. I knew two ladies who worked there many a year ago. Keep up the great shows from Gary Moisen. Thank you, Gary. Love reading comments. And I know a lot of our listeners and viewers are from Canada, and especially Winnipeg, of course. But uh, Gary finding us from LA, or sorry, Vegas and New York City. All right, great stuff. Well, thanks, Gary. We appreciate that. All right, Remo, you get this uh, ready to go. And I know, I think it was maybe T. Kona Pauly or somebody in chat was wondering about how we're doing at the U.S. Open with our Winnipeg Sports Talk DraftKings pool. I can tell you straight up, I'm screwed because I had Abe Banser. And there's nothing that can piss you off more, especially when you've got a DraftKings lineup, than finding out your guy's withdrawn at no. 6.30 in the morning before the no. first before the first tee shot. So I got be a illegal. big fat zero for Abe answer, and that's part of the reason why I'm sitting in 44th place out of 50. Uh, many of you are doing far better. First place right now is Joe Booze, and Joe Booze is a pretty damn good lineup. He's got Rory, Xander Shoffley, Sam Burns, Aaron Wise, Adam Scott, and Joel Damon. Uh, it's going to be tough to beat if all four of those, or all six of his guys make the cut. Uh, the other uh, the uh, the next four, uh, Gunnett Buer. I think that's Gregor. Nice work, Gregor. Uh, BA Split's looking good. He's in third place, actually tied with Hannah 76. And Brady Flea is in fifth, just a half point up on Jason Jett. And the top five are paid. So uh, good luck to everyone. My team was done before it even started. Uh, but it should be a great, great weekend at the U.S. Open. Just while Remus gets this up, I'll give you another quick leaderboard yeah. update. Well, um, Taryn, Colin Morikawa and Joel Damon both have got up to four under par, and John Rahm lurking at three under as well. I do want to say, uh, speaking of being out before it started, I took Vernon Adams and CFL DraftKings, and I want to give a big... <laughs> I'm so mad at Kahari Jones. Give the guy a chance. Four passes? And you take him out for Trevor Harris, who didn't throw a touchdown pass and threw a pick. Let the guy play. Give him more than... Sorry, let me check that, check that again. Yes. Yes. Four passes, two for four for 14 yards. And they took out Vernon Adams. I don't understand. His nickname is Big Play VA. Keep him in until you get the big play. And you... You, like you must guy have who, thought that it was poetic justice missing that twenty-one yard at the end and losing yes. the game as 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 you know, yes. karmic revenge for the treatment of their starting quarterback Vernon Adams Jr. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And uh, Mo Khan, who was on the show earlier this week, was in a Twitter 
conversation with Vernon Adams Sr. about the early hook. So gross for fantasy. It's like last year when they uh, said they were going to start Mike Riley and then put in Nathan Rourke. Screwing me. How? How do you do that? It's, a, uh, let the it's guy outrageous. Fail. <laughs> it's outrageous. Four passes and you take him out? Come on, man. That's a, that's definitely a come on, man. All right, let's get to some marbles. The weekend is just about here, everybody. We'll be cracking some 1919s and maybe a Canadian club and ginger on a patio this afternoon or maybe heading out. And by the way, in advance, happy Father's Day to all the dads. And there's probably many dads that are in the chat right now, many of you that have dads. I'd like to give a big happy Father's Day to my awesome dad. And, uh, and actually, a happy Father's Day to Remo, who... I still sometimes forget that he is a father himself. But, uh, yeah, mm. big Father's Day coming up for you on Sunday as well, Reem. Are you going to be yeah. spoiled all day? No, I think it's just going to be a regular day. I don't <laughs> I'm take my son to uh, to the zoo. The zoo, of course. Of course. Um, he's got his uh, daycare graduation on Sunday. And what the f- what do you daycare mean? graduation? Yeah. Now? What do you mean? Yeah, of course. <laughs> what are you talking about? I respect. I, did any kids fail? Any kids? Uh, any kids get pushed back and have to do another year of daycare? <laughs> Sorry, it's like an end of year celebration. Uh, I think it's been a bit of a strange like year, a couple of years for daycares. Like you don't have any in person events because of uh, whatever rules you know each place has. So it's nice to get everyone together and and say say hello. So yes, we'll be having a celebration. Maybe some desserts. I, I don't know. I've never been to one. So. Sounds sounds festive. Sounds festive. All right. Speaking of festive, it's Marbles time on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, everyone, thank you for entering. Thanks for being with us. Uh, if you haven't seen this before, this is how we uh, have a little bit of fun to finish up the Friday show. But before we drop the marbles, we need to play the theme song courtesy of former Marbles champion, the one and only Tristan Rivers Music. It's time to do All right, Marbles time on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've got uh, 147 from the chat. Uh, again, a few special guests, including Barry Trot, Dubs, Rennie, Wino, Stormy, and Sarah. And again, the winner of the Marble Race will win the Winnipeg Sports Talk version of the Masters Green Jacket. That's the blue Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodie. Uh, all right, Remo, where, where are we going today? I just picked something. I think I picked the funnel. I think the funnel is a good classic one. All right, so. a classic one. Here we are. Beautiful weekend coming up. Trots watch continues. 35 and sunny on Sunday. Let's get it on and drop the marbles on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Good luck to everyone. Here we go. I do like the starts that are the big funnels, actually. Maybe a little bit more than the ones we've done the last, the factory where you're going up and down. An amazing physics-based game. Who's in uh, Who's in first right now? We got Dan Jets fan. Saw Bo's in there. Derek Hosmer. Derek Homer, excuse me. We're getting it down. The, uh, the swirling continues. Who will be the first to make it down out of the funnel? 
and take the lead. Oh, wow. What a camera. <laughs> what am I doing here? here. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Who's in first place? Tristan Rivers Music. The muse of the Winnipeg digital sports space is in first place. This would be incredible. This would be like twice in a month if Tristan Rivers could pull it off. We see Leslie Mitchnuck in there. Uh, quite the crew, but Tristan Rivers still with the lead. Leslie Mitchnuck in second and JBJC in third right now as we continue going down the slide out of the funnel. Tristan Rivers' music, already a legend before he even won the marble race. And then, of course, with the song, the win, it's all about Tristan so far. Oh, very excellent negotiation of uh, a few of those obstacles. And now we're into another funnel. This is where you maybe don't want to have too much speed. Uh, oh, Leslie Mishnuk has got the lead now. Pretty and Pionk with a nice move. Oh, Pretty and Pionk just got thrown over the top rope. Sorry about that, Pretty and Pionk. Another former winner, Manny Fran, ejector seat. You're gonzo. Okay, I think uh, Fritchie is in first and Derek Schmidt right now. First two marbles out of the funnel. And I think that's Turd. Is that Turd Ferguson uh, in second place? All right, we got a two-horse race right now. Derek Schmidt and Fritchie. Who will it be? Or will somebody else get into the mix right now? Fritchie taking the left lane. Derek Schmidt taking the right lane. They're coming right down to it. We're into the final one. Looks like Fritchie's in first place. Will he hold on? And he is first in Fritchie. The winner of today's marble race. Always great to have another first-time winner. Let's see how everybody else makes out coming down the thing. I was, uh, You know what? That is a classic, classic track, Remo. Great choice today. Final, very classic track. It was tight. Leslie Mitchick and Chet saying, where did my marble go? I saw that you finished there 10th. Uh, it was tight there for a bit with you and Tristan, but got uh, slowed up by the obstacle. And Fritchie 101 burning past Derek Schmidt for a very close finish. Uh, congratulations. Huge, huge finish up and uh, a final leg. Fritchie, uh, you know what to do. Hit us up with an email at Winnipeg, or Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. And uh, well, I'm going to be away in the weekend, but we'll make a point of uh, hooking up next week and making sure you get your thing. Uh, let's go to the, uh, let's do a quick rundown of the marbles, Remo, though, because I do know that certain parts of the marble race, certain individuals have head-to-head -head bets against each other. So uh, we're going to need to see the final results. Uh, we're going down there. Make a point of seeing, I know Bozeman, and Ross, uh, Roscoe, Ross Ransby have head-to-head -head matchups, each and every one. So we'll go down. By the way, Derek Schmidt, Yvonne Bourgeois, K, Rob Mahoney, nice work, Rob. Top five, Instant Noodles, Todd M, Ryan Kijiji, Turd Ferguson, and Leslie Mitchnuck was the top 10. Steven Wino, nice debut performance by Wino getting in at 24th. Uh, we see Dan Jets fan, just keep on going, Remo. We got Chaster, Seegers. Hootman, former winner. <laughs> Hootman. Gitch Lishka there at uh, 36. Not too bad. Stormy Bonatoni. Stormy gets 40th. Not bad at all. Um, Dubois. Keep on going down. We got the D train. Here we go. Kenny's water bottle coming in 60th right now. Sarah Orleski, a very respectable 63rd. Not bad, Sarah. Royal Sports there at 67. By the way, Royal Sports started that whole Vikings conversation 
I know that, Roscoe. We had quite a situation in the chat I, with uh, with. <laughs> I had to step in there. I try to keep the chat on topic, mainly Jets and Winnipeg sports, NHL. But like it was all Vikings, and no one was talking. They were too intimidated to get into this Vikings discussion. So calm down. <laughs> keep it on topic here. All right, Ross Ro Roscoe, you're in at 85. Uh, where is the Bozeman? Is he continuing down further? We got Running Man, Tracy O. Barry trots. Barry Barry will be top. Uh, Barry will have a better run next week. Probably get into that top uh, top one. Uh, all right. So uh, Mark A. Mark A is usually a big contender. A little bit of a rougher one. And then a number of other marbles. I'm not sure whether I saw Bozeman in today. Anyways, there you have it. There Oy. are there only three. Only three over the top ropes. Pretty and Pionk went first. Then Prairie Boy and Manny Fran. And look at Jeff Kabilis. Kabilis finishing up. 150th, the final marble to make it across the line. Uh, well, Remo, I'm fired up for this weekend. I will, I will tell you, I am going to be heading out west in the province this weekend. I'm not going to be in Dauphin, but I'll tell you what, if something does happen, we may have to re, re, uh, reschedule the route and uh, maybe pop by Barry Trot's way with a 1919 or something like that. All I'll tell you is this, though um, the Trot's watch continues. I know Mike. Paul Friesen, Marat, of course, Jeff Hamilton, Ken, they're all over this. Make sure you pay attention to your feeds over the course of the weekend. And uh, if we do have some sort of clarity on the weekend, I'm sure we might jump on for a few minutes for a little bit of an update for everybody. Uh, but one thing I can guarantee you, we'll be back here coming off a great weekend Monday at 1 p.m. with another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We'll hit the Stanley Cup final. Cannot wait for game to tomorrow night of the series and of course what happens tonight with the winnipeg blue bombers and the ottawa red blacks 6 30 start check that one out on tsn or you can listen on cgob thanks again to ed tate for jumping on the program today and of course some great hockey talk with sean reynolds and dave pagnotta and thanks to all of you for joining us this has been one of our biggest weeks ever continuing to grow tell a friend about winnipeg sports talk and how they can find us make sure you hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already on youtube and uh, if you have the opportunity ever to give us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast, either Apple or Spotify, always appreciate it as well. Folks, have an awesome weekend. Stay cool. We'll see you Monday afternoon right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.